Hello, the Blue Man Orange Podcast. I'm Spencer Scott Holmes. And I'm Ryan Dunnigan. And fuck, I don't know if I know how to do this anymore. I know, it ha- it has been a while. I don't know what happened, though, but like, at some point, a fucking snowstorm happened, and it just crapped out AT&T for me, so I have to go, like, travel. It's like the olden days. I have to travel for internet. Like, where is this internet? You, you must travel for it. You know, I'm at that point again now because it's stupid. It's just at the house it does the thing where it's like it's like in out in out 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 in in out out out. So like you know you can't really do you anything. Yeah, do the thing. I mean, it, it works you and then the it goes you off. Send a carrier. <laughs> you send a carrier pigeon out like a, a like a uh, horse and stable comes by or a horse drawn by carriage comes by like where to my good man like the internet cafe. Yeah, exactly. Take me there. Let me see the future. You know? Because, yeah, it's just, it's just stupid. Because it's like, it's not that it's slow. It's just the in-out, in-out thing. And I keep trying to find him, but like, yo, your fucking tower is fucked. Send a guy out there to check it out. Like, is it your route? No, 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 no. It's not anything of mine. It's literally a tower. It's literally nothing I can do. There is nothing I can do. It's just everything from AT... Everything that the AT&T light touches... Is going in and out. <laughs> it worked for 20 fucking years. Don't you fucking tell me now that this is it. <laughs> Don't you tell me to flip a fucking router. I'll flip your router. <laughs> like, we get that at least one a day. They just, like, have, like, a board of, like, I'll flip your router and just, like, check it off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I've got a six one. Uh, oh, dude, Harry's in the lead. He's got eight people flipping routers. Oh, that son of a fucking bitch, Harry. You better not get that fucking promotion. <laughs> yeah, I, I love, that, so, that's how the AT&T promotional wagon works. It's like however many times you get insulted in the day is how it works towards credits towards your promotion. It's just that thing. Like, they have it written above, like, the... Uh... Over the door frame as they walk in. Like, did you flip the router? They all slap it on their way in, you know? Fuck that router! <laughs> <laughs> nah, so... Been oh, yeah. a minute since we did this. Well, Last time that, we though, did an episode... podcasting goodness. <laughs> Last time we did an episode was the Christmas special thing, and that was something different. We might try and do more, um, like, like, skits like that later down the line, but yeah. Yeah, that would be fun. I, I think that the the little skit ideas, I know we've talked about it a thousand times before and finally did it, but um, yeah, I know. I think that there's there's no reason not to do that. You know what I mean? So, something kind of fun, something different. I know, like, everybody who wants us to do animations be like, fuck you, just do the animation. Like, you don't got anything better to do. Fucking drunk like, Batman You're right, guy. we don't, but yeah, <laughs> we, we don't have anything better to do, well, but it's just a matter of, like, it takes a mind. long fucking time. <laughs> Exactly, you know what I mean? Like, you you know? So that's why you're like, you see those kids out there that just fucking, like, go, like, just swipe credit cards every single time they want to get something done. And it's like, huh. That's, that's how you get a lot of YouTube videos on there. I see how it is. But, um, but yeah, but beyond all that, beyond all that bullshit, we're going to the, our top movies of 2019. And I know we kind of got to about the end of January, but sometimes I feel January is the month where you're spending, like, they're finally coming out on DVD and Blu-ray for all the ones you kind of missed, and you're doing the catch-up game and so on. And no matter what, we've always learned that 
You could never watch them all, and there'll always be that movie that, like, four years from now, you watch, and you're like, dude, what the fuck? That would have almost been, like, in my top, like, three, maybe even top one movie, you know what I mean? You'll find that one rare gem that nobody just really brought up enough, and so on, but... But, yeah, th- th- this is an interesting year. This is definitely not not like any other normal year. Yeah, this year, I'll be honest, there's a lot of movies that, um... I didn't see as many movies as usual I did. As usual, I did. I can't talk right now. I didn't see as movies as, as I usually do, but at the same time, like, I still liked what I have on my list. There's some things that are higher on my list that I thought would be lower, and some things that are lower that I thought would be higher, but at the end of the day, it's, uh, you know, it's your list. It is what it is. Exactly. Well, it's just, it's it's an odd year for, like, I just feel like even just movies in general, all the real big movies came out the beginning of the year, and you almost never really say that. Everybody almost saves stuff towards the end, and I just remember I thought that was the weirdest thing is because, like, around that December time period, I was like, I went to the movie theaters, like, twice. It's like, most of the time, it's always like, shit, there's, like, a week where, like, you're just going every single day. You're like, gotta check them off, check this list down, working through it, and this year was like, well, I saw Star Wars, and, uh, oh, I can't remember what the fucking other movie was that I saw, like, during December, but, like, that was, like, that was it, you know what I mean? It was, like, huh, oh, well, that's, that well, was, that's a lackluster end of the year, but that's okay, because the beginning of the year's fucking badass. Well, in all honesty, I mean, you had probably, and this, this isn't, I'm not trying to speak on where this stands in anyone's lineup, but you had probably one of the biggest blockbusters of all time, in April, not in like uh, <laughs> yeah, literally you didn't have it. Yeah, you didn't have it popping up like in like you know July or August. You had it in April, so that that seemed so. Everything after that, not saying that they're bad or good, but every like m- like big blockbuster after that movie was kind of like oh, not not saying it wasn't good, but it just was like well, we just saw Avengers. Yeah. I like Detective Pikachu, but I'm sorry. That was um, that was a week ago. You guys should have paced this out better. Yeah, exactly. One of those ones. Well, the Pride of Future is like, well, shit, we thought this was coming at the end of the year. That's why we chose this fucking April 1st or whatever the hell it was at. But, in all um, honesty, Detective Pikachu seems like just, just the tone and vibe of it. It seems to be more like a November movie. Yeah, yeah I, I, I can see that. Well, shit, November kind of needs some movies, so I guess that is the case, but... uh well, what do you say? Do we get started off this list? Because we always know how long this might take. Yeah, let's start, first start off and say a couple movies we wanted to see, but didn't have a chance to. Um, The only movie I wanted to see, and it's like, it's kind of like a reason you can't really see it. I, I tried my darndest to see it, like, without kind of, like, venturing into, like, some pirate's house and checking it out, but it was Ip Man 4. And, um, I mean, granted, th- these are always those kind of movies that I always say, like, yeah, it comes out in China and everything, like, in fucking 2019, but by the time, really, an American can kind of see it, it's really about by the next year, so that's one of those movies that, like, if I watch, whenever I watch it, I mean, I will watch it, I'm not gonna not watch it, but fucking Donnie Yen, and it's got a Bruce Lee guy in it, so come on, and it's got Scott Atkins in it, it's like fucking Action Movie Central, but, um... It's one of those ones, like, sometimes when it comes to those foreign movies, I do kind of say, like, they can almost be, like, two years, you know what I mean? Like, it... It's 2019 for China, but really it's like, I mean, unless you were at, like, some special kung fu, you know, movie theater, there's no way you're ever able to see it, because it, it did have a release in December somewhere in America, but, um, but yeah, that, that was, like, the only one that I, I tried really hard to try to track down, I, I, it was like, will it come out on digital, will there be a way, like, nope, it's not even coming out on DVD till like, April or something like that, so... 
Yeah. That was about my only one, though. Oh, oh. Oh, go ahead. I said that was about but the only one. I mean, there was other movies that, like, yeah, they'd be cool to see in, like, the long run. But, like, that was the one where it's like, I wish I would have saw that one. You know, because I'm pretty sure that would have affected my list. But I'm not too sure. At the same time, fuck it. If I see it in 2020 and it's fucking badass, it's going on my 2020 list. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, it's movies. I definitely... <laughs> I definitely wanted to see it, but same reason as you. I didn't even think about that, because I was like, oh, yeah, it's not coming out over here, so can't even see it yet. Some movies they really just wait on. Some movies, like like Parasite. I wanted to see Parasite, and that's by the guy who did um, Snowpiercer and Oakjaw. So I like that guy's work. And Snowpiercer, which is one of my favorite movies from a few years back. So really wanted to see Parasite, but couldn't, unfortunately. I wanted to see Good Boys. I wanted to see Alita. And I wanted to see the lighthouse, and then Jay and Silent Bob reboot, which was a little harder. I could have, I within like these two days leading up to this podcast, I wasn't didn't have enough time to go get the Blu-ray or anything. So, but yeah, those are the ones I would have liked to see. You know, what? I'm gonna I'm gonna lay some sad truth on you. I got Jay and Silent Bob reboot yesterday because it came out, and uh-huh. that movie the whole time I'm like that movie's gonna fucking rock my list no matter what. I like I had no doubts in that movie. I had no fear. Like I didn't even question it never went across my mind i was just like it's it's like gonna fill a spot i mean even if it's number 10 it's gonna fill a spot and i watched the movie last night and it's good but that movie is one of those weird movies where it's just like it's like the ultimate like kevin smith just like remember this joke remember that joke movie like that's the movie if you had a friend and you'd be like he's like oh i've never seen a kevin smith movie before you're like dude you gotta fucking see a kevin smith movie like look there's fucking jay and south bob playing come on in let's show you the magic and you went and saw the Jane Silent Bob reboot movie, that guy would be so confused the whole time you watched the movie. He would probably think it was fucking stupid and retarded. And, like, it would just be the worst experience, I feel, for somebody. They'd be so out of the loop because that movie was, like, the most, like, in-joke film I've almost probably ever seen. Like, it only appealed to people who have seen every Kevin Smith movie. Oh, wow, really? No, oh, that's, well, you know, I'd still like to see it. I still intend on buying it, but oh, yeah. at the same yeah, time... Yeah. It's still worth buying, it's still worth seeing, but I, I kid you not, it's probably my least favorite Kevin Smith movie out of every single one he's ever created. And I don't mean it's like not saying it's not worth watching again, but it was just kind of okay. Really? Okay, well, that's that's disappointing to hear, especially for how much, you know, the, <laughs> you hear him getting weepy talking about it, but <laughs> at the same time, you know, I think that, yeah. you know... He, yeah, you know, they can't all be winners, but at the same time, like, I'm still looking forward to checking it out eventually, so, um, but yeah, that was one that we wanted to see, yeah, but I yeah, guess it's, I it's a weird one, it's bad. just, I, I think it's just because, like, I felt like, I'm like, dude, this movie's gonna so be on my list, so be on my list, that when you feel too watch it, it's kind of like, it's super pandery, it was, it was, because that thing is, like, it was kind of, and it just kind of rehashed, like, I mean, I know it's called Reboot, but, like, it felt like, you know, you could have had the reboot thing as your story, but, like, from point A to point B, that should have been a brand new, fresh thing, and it it really isn't. It's just kind of, let's go through all our old favorite jokes, you know, another time, and you, you're just kind of sitting there like, eh. Yeah. I, mean, I probably laughed, like, ten times in the entire movie, and that's, like, kind of sad to think, but it was just like... I mean, here I'll say this. Ben Affleck has the best part in the entire movie. He fucking, like, he he was given all the best writing lines and so on, and there is some moments in there, but the rest of it just feels like such like a, like almost like it feels like Kevin Smith being like, oh, let's just make a movie real quick. Just get all the cameos in there real quick. Everybody who's got like, you know, an hour off and we'll just call it good. And I don't know. It's just like, 
It's kind of like a straight-to-DVD feel, like one of those, like, third sequels where it's just, like, the movie's not even, like, I mean, this movie's more than 90 minutes. But, like, you know when you you get to a movie, you're like, oh, shit, this movie's only 75 minutes. They, like, were really cutting it short. <laughs> it has that kind of feel to it. Like, they just kind of wanted well, to get one more I, um, out. I'll be honest. You know, and it's not that... It's one of those. It's it's one of those things where it's like I feel like um, I feel like Kevin Smith. Like I liked the the first Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. It was funny, but at the exact same time, it's. I mean, that was my introduction to Jane to uh, Kevin Smith technically, but um, at the same time, I kind of like Clerks and Chasing Amy and Mallrats. I like those. I, I think Jane and Silent Bob are better off as background characters i love them but i think they're better off as background characters so i think that when you make a second jay and silent bob movie the only thing to do is to rehash everything and by this point you know we we, we both saw jay and silent bob when we were like in middle school so it's kind of like it was way more like raunchier and way more fucked up and that kind of stuff stood out to us more but now we're at the now i not want to sound like we're above that but now we're both at the age where it's kind of like, all right, well, we still like these these characters, and we grew up with that movie, so we like it. But if now you just kind of throw that comedy on you now, it doesn't really hit the same way as it did when you were younger. I think, you know. Yeah, well, it's like well, it's like I actually, as the older I get, I almost have like a weird like more of appreciation for Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. It's kind of like that movie where it's like, as a kid, yeah, you think that movie's fucking amazing when it first comes out, and then it kind of becomes a little bit on the lower end for you. It's not like you like, but you, you know, you discover Mall Rats and Clerks and all the other ones, and so on. But then it's like kind of coming back. I actually like that one quite a bit, and it's not the Jay and Silent Bob characters that necessarily I think that that's that's not really the problem. Like. I think that's still always good. It's just it has it just has some weird stuff in it and just weird choices, and I don't know. I I I, I feel bad like talking about the movie, kind of going like man, but it was one of those ones where it's just kind of like I guess it was like almost one of the movies I was looking more forward to than almost anything else all year round. Then you kind of finally see it, and it's just like, huh, oh that that's that that's kind of all it was. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. We definitely check check it out. Buy it. I would say buy it because. Not saying you wouldn't watch it multiple times as you know as life goes on, and it's worth having for the collection and everything like that. But yeah, it was just like it was just I don't know. I guess I don't know. It just wasn't what I was expecting. And then also, yeah, it just it has that kind of made the like straight to DVD you know B movie kind of feel to it. Yeah, yeah. I kind of I like Kevin Smith to go. I mean, I mean, you know, he's not a dispensary. He's not like Kevin, go make this for me, but. I liked it when he's getting like kind of experimental with things like Red State and Tusk. I didn't like Yoga Hosers, but I liked I really liked Red State and Tusk. I was like, oh, I hope he does more weird shit like this because Yoga Hosers had a very straight to DVD feel to me. But um, without going too much into yeah, that, yeah, that one though, did too. Uh, but I'll say this: I like I like Yoga Hosers more than Jane Silent Bob's reboot. <laughs> Man, that's saying something. But yeah, um, anyway, <laughs> I know. I guess moving moving. Well, forward, and I'm one of those people um, who likes Yoga Hosers, but. But yeah, let's go forward. Yeah, we, we've talked enough about one movie that's not even on our list. Could have been. <laughs> so, um, do you want to start or do you want me to start? Uh, I don't care. You could start. Okay. Uh, my number 10 is a horror movie called Ready or Not. You know, this is one of those ones that I, I heard about like kind of like just about a week ago. And I was like, hmm, I should check this one out. I never got around to seeing it. Okay, so here's the concept. It's kind of one of those, um, it is a, I think you can call it a horror film. It is a par- partially a comedy, but it's one of those, um, it's kind of like one of those more satirical quasi 
Cabin in the Woods style horror movies. It's not like so meta to the degree of like Cabin in the Woods tries to come up with an explanation as of why horror movie, why slasher films happen. But this is one of those ones where it's kind of critiquing the genre and at the same time has fun and there's it's still gory. And the scares aren't there. Are, the scares aren't that big, but it's more of like kind of more of a thriller. So basically. This really, I thought it was Margot Robbie. She looks a lot like Margot Robbie, but it's not. Um, it's I forget her name, uh, but she's in the movie The Babysitter, that slasher comedy movie that came out like two years ago, I think, on Netflix. Anyway, um, she is marrying into this ridiculously wealthy family that made all their money off old board games. And the bold, board games are have like this, you know, you see all the board games earlier on. It's painting down this hall in this creepy looking mansion. And the board games all look like, you know, they have like this creepy look to them. Like this creepy, innocent, like kind of like trying to be innocent, kind of like a Norman Rockwell thing. But at the same time, kind of like there's something creepy or sinister about that. It's like the ritual, you know, like, you know, like only at midnight, you know, like these kind of like weird names. Like that's a weird name for a fucking board game. But anyway, so she's rich <laughs> into, she's marrying into this rich eccentric family. And you know shit's kind of bad, because you know shit's going to lead somewhere bad, because, you know, they kind of already implied something in the earlier in the beginning of the movie. But essentially, whenever somebody comes into the family, there's this ritual they have to perform, and they have to play a game. They made, like, a deal. Like, their, their uh, great-great-great-grandfather or whatever made a deal with somebody where, okay, well, all you got to do is, whenever someone marries into your family, you got to play a game. you got to make a bet, and you have to... And generally, what happens is you all play the game. At the end of the game, you're supposed to sacrifice a goat. But if the game you land on is hide-and-seek, that's the only game where the person in the game that's playing has to be killed. The person entering the family. Oh, sorry, try again next time. you got to kill them. Otherwise, shit's going to go bad for you, so they say. So, um, it starts off kind of like, you know, everyone's kind of like an eccentric character. You know, you got... What, once that happens, it's only happened a few times they've actually had to play hide-and-seek, but you see they're a bunch of super well-off people, so they're kind of like, oh, fuck, how does this work? they got a crossbow, they're not exactly sure how it works. You get the, you get the like, young, like younger daughter of the family who's like, Mom, I'm, I suck at this, I'm sorry, I'm trying my best. You know, then you get, like, the, her husband just like, Jesus Christ. He's like, he's like, I'll be right back. He's like in the bathroom, look at a YouTube video of how to use a crossbow, you know, as you're trying to hunt this girl down. <laughs> And then you get, like, the alcoholic brother who is... You think he's an asshole at first, then you realize, oh, he's, like, one of the only good people here. He's... The reason he was being kind of creepy and an asshole to her is he was trying to scare her off so she wouldn't get dragged into this fucked up family. And then you got the crazy old aunt who just actually looks forward to murdering people, you know? They get the people who are a little bit more like, I don't know about this. So each person in the family stands out in some way, and it's pretty... That itself is pretty interesting, and... The kills are pretty good, and they have like a lot of moments where someone walks in, like a, like they're trying to come around a corner, and then like they shoot someone, they shoot like a server, like a servant through the neck of the, like the, like a, the crossbow again or the or gun. Like, oh fuck, oh man, she was my favorite. Uh, so we got we still got two more, right? We'll have one of them come clean this shit up, okay? So it's a lot of that. It's kind of dark comedy, and the kills are actually pretty good. And this ending is one of those movies where I'm going to say the ending is probably one of the best parts of it. Uh, like a real strong ending? Really strong ending, yeah. Nice. Yeah, that was one of those ones that, yeah, like RJ brought that up. I know I'm just name-dropping random-ass people now, but um, 
Pizza, Pizza Boy's character. So, yeah, I feel like he's a fucking celebrity now. But, um, yeah, he, he mentioned to me like a week ago. He's like, dude, here's a movie you really got to fucking check out. And I was like, huh, I didn't, I didn't see anything up on this movie. I never saw a trailer for it or anything. I don't even know where it came on. Like, because it, it didn't come to, like, major theaters, did it? Um, yo, it did. I think it did. It didn't, I don't know if it was in theaters that long. Like, one of those, like, money. movies that's only in there for, like, a week or something, maybe. It was, it was on bus stops, so. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, somebody, somebody put some advertising into it, but, um, yeah, no, that sounded very interesting, and I really did want to check that one out. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah. And, like, once again, it's not that scary. The violence is pretty cool in it. It's not, like, the most over-the-top violence, but there are some pretty violent parts. There's a handful of violent parts. Like, oh, that was pretty fucked up. That was cool. Well, it just sounds more like a fun movie. Like, I guess movie has horror elements, but it's more like a fun, kind of like a Tucker and Dale. It's like it's like a fun thriller kind of movie. Yeah, I mean, by the end of it, I guess you could, you're, you're not you're not lying to yourself. You put in a horror section, but at the same time, I'm just saying it's not that scary. Yeah, that's I mean, that's I mean, it's more like you know a fun movie, you know, because there there's those mm-hmm. type of horrors out there. But uh, cool. Well, I guess going on to my list, my number 10 is Dragon Ball Z or Dragon Ball Super, I guess. Fuck it. Dragon Ball, let me, let me get like the new kids now, Dragon Ball Super Broly, which was like the movie that started the fucking year off, because that came out like in January, and that was like one of those weird ones too, where they're like, you know what, let's try uh, two days in major motion picture. I mean, like, I don't know, like my kid's into fucking Dragon Ball, we'll see what happens. And that movie was so fucking popular, they're like, shit, throw it in there for like another week. Like, I just, like, his parents like, well, it's like, Dragon Ball Z, Broly's still there? But, dude, this movie was, like, fucking so sick. And, like, to top it off, it has some of the best animation I've really seen. And then, plus, I guess, also, like, you don't really get to see a 2D animation movie. I mean, it's still got CG stuff in it, you know, for, like, flying ships and stuff like that. But, like, still, like, that 2D animation is just so rare anymore. So, I guess almost just seeing that's almost just, like, a magical moment. And, um, boy, it's just, like has like the t- a great story you get the brawly story that's just totally badass and you feel for him and you get the sand thing kind of almost like the bardock story but from like a kind of a different perspective and then of course like the second half of the movie is just pure fighting but like the whole point during the movie is just like there's colors and the animation and the flow of it and the blast and everything about it you're just like you feel like you're watching an art house picture dragon ball z movie if that makes sense like, you just should be sitting back like that ending scene in 2001, The Space Odyssey, of all the colors flashing at you and everything. Dude, this movie was so cool. Yeah, I actually went and watched this movie on Hulu, and I was bouncing back and forth between this movie and um, not, or uh, Ready or Not for my number 10. And I'm like, you know what? Well, just to vary it up, and I'm like, I know Spencer's going to have Dragon Ball Z on there, so I'll leave that for him. But this this movie could have been easily my number. It's just a matter of, like, how many things. I, I don't want to do the honorable mention thing, but, you know, how many of these movies can I really fit on here? I'm like, all right, well, x this one, because I know Spencer probably didn't see this one, but I know he saw Dragon Ball. And that one was really awesome, especially it kind of elaborates and retroactively adds to the whole thing with Bardock. They suddenly, because for a while, it's just like, was Bardock a single dad? Where's the mom? Like, she's in the birthing chamber. We don't see the women. But this one actually does a little more of the Superman thing where you actually, okay, you kind of feel for her. You see he's kind of a little different than the rest. They're like, what about Raditz? Ah, oh, fuck him. You know? <laughs> you think it's gonna fuck Raditz. Our, our son, I think they're probably already kind of like, you know what? He's off the planet. He's safe. Maybe that was their, their mindset. But um, that whole. He's already first, like, got a job. Minutes. He's working with the prince. Yeah, he's got that internship's really paying off. 
So, he but sends it's one back of those a things. check every week. You know what I mean? He he's the golden boy. We can count on him. You know, I don't fucking like him. He's got bad table manners, but still, doesn't cut his fucking hair. I mean, I know we're saying long hair is our thing, unless you're Napa. But still, god damn it, that fucking hair <laughs> reeks after a while. You know, really, you don't realize how much he uses shampoo when he actually does wash his fucking hair. Yeah. No. Um, Dragon Ball Super though, because the first, you know. Almost half of it, like maybe first like twenty or thirty minutes of it, is the uh, all the Saiyan stuff and elaborating on that, and you really feel for Broly, and Broly's not a bad guy. And I also like what they do is there's those two new characters who are in Frieza's force, and when I first see them, I'm like, oh, who are these fucks? They they don't look, they don't have to throw a punch or anything. But then I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is kind of interesting because it, it builds more on Frieza's um, army because you always just see you know the Genyu force, you see um zarbon all those guys and then this one they're just kind of like you know what we are like the bottom of the bottom of the bottom totem pole so even though we don't really like what frieza does we are so low it doesn't fucking matter if we work for him because it's not like we really have any effect on this world and if he isn't killing us someone else will be and then those are the people that kind of go out of their way and kind of form form a relationship with Broly. And those characters kind of came out and stood out to me. Yeah, no, I, I like those characters a lot too. And it's just like I said, what like they're like fucking throw a punch. Like it's like Dragon Ball Z logic. I don't like you if you don't throw a punch. Well, generally, yeah. I mean, because if you don't throw a punch, then what are you in Dragon Ball Z? You're one of the characters. So it's her hovering around the TV, like, oh, gee, I hope they beat Cell. I mean, what, what the fuck are you if you can't throw a punch at the end of the day in Dragon Ball? Dragon Ball Z, at least. After a while, Oolong and Blur are just like, oh, I don't know about this, Master Roshi, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's all they are doing is hovering around that fucking TV set, you know, on the fucking island. <laughs> but, um... Hope everything pans out. Yep, you're not doing nothing about it, so... Yeah. But, um, but no, he, yeah, Yaboroshi had a sword for a minute. Yeah, he did. You know, he, he, he used it for once to slice up Vegeta's tail or what have you, but, but, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Those kind of things. But no, that Broly movie that like, it's almost one of those movies. Like I rewatched it again, like not that long ago. And I was like, I almost was going to move it farther up, but I thought it was also such a good starting movie for a list too, that I sort of kind of kept it there. But it's like, I almost like it more than a lot of the other movies that are on my list. And I was like, God, that movie's so good. That's like one of the best Dragon Ball Z movies they've ever made. I think that probably is the best Dragon Ball Z movie they ever made. Just because, and I'm not bringing this down. Because I like a lot of Dragon Ball, most Dragon Ball Z movies. But the thing about them is they always, they always take place in like some one little area. And they don't really go anywhere else. It's this one little area and there's they just fight this new bad guy and i think the first couple earlier ones like tree of might and world strongest and dead zone i mean world strongest had to be easy they're just like in a black room fighting a robot most of that movie you know <laughs> but at the same time um i think this one it felt like it went more at a they, they have like that you know hour and kind of change kind of feel to it the other ones this one actually felt like, oh, I see a little bit more of like, it actually felt like a more like a theatrical film. Like this movie's going to theaters. And the beginning, I think, really helped with that too. Now after a while, once they get to Broly, they do the Dragon Ball Z thing where they just stay in the one spot for a while. But at least the area itself changes. The battle is so crazy, it's literally changing everything around them. 
Well, it's that, and then it's just the animation. The animation is so fucking ridiculous in the movie that, like, it almost, like, you, you don't care that they're in the same area because you just you just get these angles and these just whips and you're getting these colors, you know. Everybody's going in the, you know, Broly's got this kind of green hue to his Super Saiyan, you know. Of course, you got, like, the different, you know, the the yellow Super Saiyan of Goku and Vegeta, and then you got the Super Saiyan, whatever the heck the, the, the new one's called. And, um... You know, nobody goes Super Saiyan 3, I guess. That one's just like, we just fucking bypass that now. What's Raditz hair? We don't want but, that. Yeah we, don't, yeah, we don't want fucking Raditz hair. You know how hard that is to clean. <laughs> but uh, but then it's even they got the fusion technique going on with Piccolo, who's once he fucking Piccolo's pretty much standing out there watching, like, you know, telekinesis, or not telekinesis, but telepathic fucking TV, just on his, like, rock, be like, yeah, let's see him climb up here. <laughs> Well, then that was actually... I thought that whole part was actually kind of funny when they're going... Piccolo is actually having them do it again. Because you're used to seeing him get frustrated with, like, Trunks and Goten. But seeing him getting frustrated with uh, Goku and Vegeta, like, Another 30 minutes! <laughs> you guys keep fucking this up. That's okay. Freeze is a punching bag. You can take it. Well, even that. That was, like, a small... That was a very quick line... But, like, because Goku never really has clever lines, but every once in a while, there's just... Maybe if it's, like, an accident, accidentally um, clever. But when they're, like, five, trying, trying to get away from Broly for a minute, they zoom past Freeze, like, have fun, Freeza! Like, what? <laughs> just get, like, like how, how quick that was. I can almost see that being improvised by the... Uh, to buy the uh, voice actors. Well, it's almost like it's kind of like there's like a car behind him, and then like they sort of jump out of the way, and he just gets kind of ran over by it, which is Broly being that vehicle. Well, just that Goku's like, have fun! <laughs> just goes by, like, fuck you, we're gone. But, um, but no, yeah, that the Broly movie, so fucking good. Like, probably one of the best, like, animated movies I've seen in a long time, you know? And yeah, I, I, really, feel- I really like that. For the most part, I think almost anybody could kind of jump into it. There is that part that you brought up where it's like after the the kind of like the you know uh, planet Vegeta part and all that stuff. When they jump back in, they, they they when they jump back into like the modern days, the only thing though is that's like it almost goes fucking Digimon for like a second where it's just like, "Hi, this is me Goku, and here's Bulma. You know, we've been traveling together forever, and here's Vegeta. And look at here's two other people we just fought recently. You probably don't know who they are, but who the fuck cares? We're all out here sunbathing right now." And fighting, yeah. Now, that was one of those things where, I mean, this is not going to... If you never liked Dragon Ball, this is not going to change your mind. I know people who really know bare minimum about Dragon Ball Z, and they watch this movie. I'm like, you know what? This doesn't make me want to watch Dragon Ball, but I enjoyed the movie. I liked the, like, I liked the first 30 or 40 minutes when they were on Planet Vegeta. And even though I was... They thought the battle went on a little long. It was very well animated. It was really pretty. Like, I heard people who weren't into anime say that. So, that's something. Yeah, so it is something there. But, um, but yeah, we, we talked extensively about Dragon Ball Z Broly, or Dragon Ball Super Broly. I guess I gotta get used to saying it that way. But, uh, what's your number nine? My number nine is Knives Out. Ooh, you put Knives Out on there. That, that was a movie that, like, I thought about it because it was like I'm like that's a really good film, but I was like it's it's like a number eleven. I, I knew I knew it was just gonna be just shy of making the list, but I did really really like it a lot. I liked it a lot just because the Who Done It. It's been done so many times, and it's almost so it's kind of hard to be original with it. And on top of that, I mean, I just kind of like I me mean, wrong. A lot of things I love are getting like their tenth movie 
or their fifth reboot or whatever. But at the same time, I uh, and even though I look forward to those things, I'm glad when I could see just like somebody like Ryan Johnson, someone who kind of has his own signature and his own tech in his own like style come in and just tell an original story, you know? And I think this is kind of what he yeah, does. Well, that and- You're wrong. I, I, well, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say is this movie feels like it goes along with his first movie, Brick, like really solid. Brick, kind of. I mean, it's, it feels different than Looper, but at the same time, if you said this by the same guy, I could probably see some similarities, you know? Um, it's one of those things where, because it's a whodunit, and it has this big ensemble cast, and I think it intentionally misleads you by what you perceive or what you think you know about whodunit movies, like Clue or A Murder on the Orient Express. Something about that is like, okay, here's this big cast, this big ensemble cast with all these A-list actors, and like, okay, okay, I can see it being this guy, I can see it being that guy, but the thing is, the murder is revealed and solved within the first 30 or 40 minutes of this movie, so from there, you're like, okay, well, where's the big twist then? And from there, it's not really, how did this guy kill, uh, how did this guy get killed? It's more of, oh, how do we stay one how, how knowing what we know how do we stay one step ahead of this person or stay one step ahead of that person and then there's other there's ways they bring twist in there that you don't expect like like at some point somebody flips like turns the script and turns out being oh this person's a bad guy I'm like that's not that uh, surprising but it makes sense the way he got there and at the same time I didn't see that's how he got to this point you know Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like a lot of twists and turns. I mean, some there's a couple of them you see, but for the most part, it's still kind of like, wait a second, where are we going? And I will say though, it has like the one of the strongest endings I think I've seen in almost any movie of all time. Like the ending is so powerful and so perfect that like, it's one of those moments where like you have an ending like that, you don't need anything whatsoever past the credits. You know what I mean? Like you are so solidified with that. And I thought that was one of the best parts too in it. Plus, you just gotta love Daniel Craig. Yeah, well, yeah, that too. I like to see. I like to see a series of this movie with Daniel Craig. Just like, what's Daniel Craig do? What's his next case? You know. Mm-hmm. And this ending in the movie, um, I won't spoil it, but at the same time, it's one of those things where it's like, it's such a. First off, it takes one of my favorite songs from my favorite album, which is by my favorite band, The Rolling Stones. It takes um, uh, Sweet Virginia from Exxon Main Street by The Rolling Stones. And it uses a song in such a way. And then there's a small little thing they throw at the beginning of the movie. You don't you don't think much of it. And then it comes back at the very end. And they do that a lot. But it, it's presented in a way of like, oh, fuck yeah. That's a clever way of getting that across. Yeah. No, it's Totally. I definitely agree there. Like, no, this movie's like nonstop fun from beginning to end, and you just want to kind of see what happens next, and just like how some of these characters. It's like, and it's a lot of the twist. It's like, yeah, it's like instead, it's like of doing the big stuff. It's it's all like the little things in the movie, all the little nuisances, and also like the things too where like you realize this family is just a real shitty family. Like, not like terribly shitty. Like they're evil and they're gonna go hunt and kill people. I guess like that Ready or Not movie, but just like that thing where it's like. They're not the worst people in the world, but they're the kind of people where, like, once you start to get to kind of know them, you're like, fucking hate those people. You know what I mean? Like, they're really not good people at all. I mean, they're they're not, you know, killing people or, you know, or polluting the ocean, but they're, they're still just, like, a bunch of selfish, like, no good, like, rich kids at the end of the well, day. 
it's also one of those things like the characters in this movie i feel like they all um like there's not a line of dialogue and i've only seen the movie once but thinking back on just certain passing things there's not a line of dialogue in that movie as far as i can tell that doesn't seem like it's not useful or doesn't come back in some way like just a very small passing conversation about immigration it happens at one point in the movie and then later it comes back like oh isn't your family immigrated you know so then you see cuz you you know how they stand where they where these people particularly stand on immigration and they brought then they come to this character over here who is an immigrant so it kind of and that actually without going into too much detail that plays an effect later on in the movie so it's just a lot of things like that or it's like they even kind of like without trying to force it down your throat it makes sense this movie came out around thanksgiving because it's you know this family all like in this very kind of like you know um fall type environment in this house and it's just like you know they, they play off and like you know a lot of like modern politics you know there's the trolley little like douchey little like alt-right kid who's kind of creepy and then there's like the little um um little like you know social justice warrior like college girl you know type of like they who who plays as your best friend but she's really just like your enemy she's well the thing is she's not even they don't even play her off like she's that bad but they show when push comes to shove she's more selfish than what she lets on for a while she seems like she's the only likable one there but then when push comes to shove she feels a little bad about it but at the same time you see She's not that different from everyone else there. She's just self-motivated, and no matter what she preaches, you know. And um, I just, I thought that part was funny, though. Just a small passing line where they're just like, meanwhile, the fucking alt-right kid is probably in the, is probably in the bathroom jerking off to, like, dead pictures of deer. You know, just something like that. Just like small passing passing lines like that. Yeah. Well, that's what I think. That's what I thought. I called him not the Nazi boy. I thought because Dan, Daniel Craig oh, yeah, said oh, yeah, Daniel Craig. He says it with his accent. Two different lines. I'm mixing up two different lines. It's right now. He says something like, "Meanwhile, that's well the masturbating Nazi boy heard the commotion." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. No, I, I kid you not though. Like really, a series of movies with just the Daniel Craig character continuing on sold i i love that character well, something about daniel craig it's just it's like it's, it's a 007 thing i don't know what it is like you put it you put any like bond in anything and i'm like i'm there i don't care what it is and if he's you put an accent on him you put an accent on daniel craig i don't know what it is like that sells me even more just like the uh logan lucky one or something but he likes doing he really likes doing southern redneck foghorn leghorn type characters mm-hmm. but uh no that 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 is a good movie I said that was like one of those ones that was like close. It's like such a close to my top ten, and but it was just like if we had a top fifteen, it would have totally been in there. But it was just shy enough. All right. Well, what's your number nine? Well, my number nine. I'm gonna go with Motley Crue's The Dirt biopic. I don't know that oh, came yeah. came out on Netflix, which always makes me kind of go, well, Netflix ones. I don't. They always feel. I don't know what it is. Whenever you watch a movie off Netflix, it literally comes across like a straight to DVD like. Not nearly the same. And I mean, like, granted, I guess the Motley Crue one probably would fall into that. You know, it's kind of like, you, you know how in the olden days it seems like very few, like, music movies can ever be, like, in theaters. I mean, I know, we, we got the, there's a handful of big ones. Like, I mean, I guess right now you got the Queen and the Rocket Man one. But, you know, in the olden days you had the Doors and you had, like, Great Balls of Fire and, um, like, you know, Walk the Line. I almost said Walk Hard. <laughs> You have that one too, but 
you know, walk the line. You know, there, there's certain ones that kind of somehow, some way make it. But then there's all the other ones that, like, what most of them are. You know, I was thinking, like, there's, like, the Def Leppard one. You know, all the Beatles ones, for some reasons, can't seem to make it, which is so weird. It's like, the Beatles can't make it. Then you got those weird spinoffs, like the stoned one of the Rolling Stones, like that one night where he fucking died. Um, but, uh, so I guess... He's probably murdered. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Well, here's a Keith Richards cock to keep you busy, but, uh, What? Yeah, we'll show it again. Don't worry. Don't worry. If you, if you missed it once, you'll see it again. But um, it's well, one of those ones. So I guess it's kind of go like a. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say it's just like the Motley Crue one. I know that like they tried it. They tried to make it in, like to a theater movie for like ever. And it's probably one of those ones. They're like, fuck it. I guess we'll just never get the theater thing. Shit. I guess we'll do the Netflix thing instead because I'm. You know, they could never probably be a VH1 movie. It'd be like the the Motley Crue PG13 movie. But um. Yeah. You know, so it's like the Netflix one's kind of like a happy medium, but that was one of those biopics where I was like the whole way through, you know, just because I've read that book many a times. I'm like, it is pretty Johnny on the spot accurate. And if that and whenever the movie, there's a couple times where like it did something like, well, that's not how it happened. The book and it literally would like retro correct itself being like Mick Mars would like show up and be like, oh, yeah, that's not the way it went. Let me, you know, tilt this around or whatever. Like, oh. Okay, so it is fixing itself as it kind of goes along to be kind of funny. But um, I thought that one was just dialed in. Had, you know, it had all the main events, but still kind of kept other stuff in there. Like, it had, like, Ozzy Osbourne in there and so on. Because that's something that's always kind of bothered me sometimes. You have some biopics. It it almost feels like that band never played it with any other bands. Like, they're just by themselves. Like, I'm going to say this, the Queen movie's like that. The Queen movie feels like there was no other music but Queen in the 70s. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, you never see a single other fucking musician in that entire movie. It's like, where's David Bowie? I don't know, his song's playing, but he's not allowed to be on here. You know what I mean? It's like, there's nobody else in there. It just feels like Queen is the only one. I mean, at least Rocket Man had some other people in it and so on, too. It just had to have those weird fucking goofy musical scenes that like kind of threw me off. But, um... Did but you no, know yeah, the Botley Crew one, it's straight... Be? No, I, I, well, I, in the trailer, because it has those kind of moments where it's like, it's, God, what, how they describe it, it's like, it's like, it's not like a, it's a rock and roll it's like, fantasy. not like a storyline. Yeah, it's like, it's a fantasy. And the weirdest thing, too, in that movie, is it has like, this, we're getting all tied off topic here, but it's like, it has those musical numbers, and then all of a sudden, they're not there for like an entire hour, and you almost kind of forget about them, you're like, oh shit, it's a regular movie again. And then all of a sudden, they pull them back in there towards the end, and you're like, oh, okay. Okay, I guess. I don't know. That, that's, the, that's the only thing about that one. It's like, I feel if it would have just been straight like the Queen movie. Sounds weird to say. If it would have been straight like that Queen movie, but like, you know, no <laughs> fucking musical numbers, just straight up music and so on like that, I think I would have liked the Rocketman one just as much. But, um, you know, granted, I guess this is the thing. This is what we learned about Motley Crue. Maybe if, like, Nikki Six was butt-fucking Tommy Lee, it could have gone to the theaters. That's, that's what I learned, but... <laughs> well, it's also one of those things. I'll say this. Watching that movie... Uh, the Mick Mars character, his his, he was probably my favorite part of the movie, just because he's just so jaded. He's just so like he doesn't want to be there, and he's pretty sure this band's gonna go to shit within like two weeks. And then he's like, "All right, we'll see where this goes." And even when the band's going along and doing good, he's still like, "Whatever, it's gonna fucking fall apart." I know it. He's fucking <laughs> well, that, kids. That's what always makes McMars kind of funny is that like he just is like like the old man guy. Even though the funny thing, he's only like two years older than them. He's not like that much older, but like just old enough. Older, he's like, here we go. I'll put the fucking makeup on and 
it's just like he's just like putting on like like almost like an act. It's like I just want to play blues guitar, you know, like Stevie Ray Vaughan or Jimi Hendrix. But I guess that dream's fucking dead. <laughs> well, it's not like it's like like uh, the like I remember they were talking. Like, You're in that band, like yeah, I was in that band. Like the band fucking sucked. Like what? Why? It was like it was a shitty name. So it means it's gonna be a shitty fucking band. <laughs> And Ozzy Osbourne just walking around, pit like licking his piss off the ground, snorting ants, all that. Yeah, it's just like they they captured. I felt like they did a really good job of like you know because you know we only got like maybe it's not even probably a two hour movie. It's probably like an hour and forty five minutes or something like that. But like it captured a lot of the big moments in there and stuff. Like yeah, you could have kept going on. I mean, it does sort of it, it ends in like nineteen ninety six instead of like two thousand one or whatever the book ends at. You know, it's like, they do the thing where it's like, get that John Karabi guy out of there. Get that fucking Soundgarden wannabe motherfucker. Oh, we got Vince Neil back. Fuck it. Movie's over. It's all good. What about that time that Tommy <laughs> Lee leaves? Ah, we won't get to that then. Everything worked out perfectly, perfectly fine. fine. We've never had a problem since. <laughs> Tommy Lee never got stuck in that little roller coaster thing on his drum set. That never happened. <laughs> But um, but no. As far as like rock and roll biopics go, I think that movie was like super solid. Like it easily like I would say top five out of all the ones I've ever seen. But maybe even higher for me, probably. Um, too bad I just said too bad it can't go to theaters. But I feel like you almost have to have like there's got to be something else. You can't just be a rock movie or something like that to go to the th- uh, cinema. You got to have like some other kind of catch. And I don't know why that is because I feel like. Here's the thing. You can almost sell any band as long as you just have a movie and you just make that trailer look interesting and you have, like, a couple songs people know. They'll show up. You know what I mean? Like, I think they get this idea in their head be like, well, there's only this many Motley Crue fans out there, so that's all the people that are going to go to the theater. It's like, that's not the case. Perfect example is look at the Walk the Line movie. Johnny Cash had, like, a resurgence because of that fucking movie. You know what I mean? There was about, like, half the people that probably showed up to it didn't know who Johnny Cash was. Uh, well, I know one of the reasons I think some of those other movies did really good, went to theaters recently, and don't me wrong, I'm not, this is not me attacking those movies or attacking the bands or groups those, these movies are based on. But the reason I think Queen, Straight Outta Compton, and Rocketman, I don't know, did Rocketman do good? Did Rocketman do make pretty good box office-wise? I, I think it did. I just, I think it didn't do, like, the Queen good, which is what they probably were looking for. Because Queen was like mm-hmm. that one where it's just like massively like, you know, they're still talking about it to this day. Well, I think the reason why those movies probably got greenlit in the first place is, aside from being a rock and roll rise to fame story, those are all people that had to deal with hardships. So NWA got a bunch of black kids growing up having to deal with fucking police and their surroundings and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man, you know having to deal with being rock star fame and then also at the same time at a time when, you know, people were a lot more prejudiced against, you know, gay people. So I think that's probably their mindset. I don't know if that is the case, though. That's just me guessing, and that's not me attacking Queen, Elton John, or NWA, which is such a weird combination right there. But I think it's more than anything just like... I think more than anything, it's just like that's what record producers see. Like, this is what the media wants. Or movie producer, yeah, it but. felt like they they needed somebody. They didn't just need like you know Motley Crue. I guess is like, well, there's uh four guys in L.A. who are a bunch of ruffians and a bunch of derelicts, and you, they're you know I, I guess that's they're probably afraid to kind of sell like the Motley Crue one as big as 
You know what I mean? Like, I think that that probably scares him a little bit. Because really, like, metal still kind of doesn't really, hasn't really had, like, a movie movie. You know what I mean? I'm trying to think of something that really went to theaters that was like, oh, shit. I feel like 80s hair metal is one of those things that I think it's come back was kind of when we were in high school. And right now, it's kind of like, oh, that's fucking, uh, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, I know kids like 80s stuff right now. But they seem to be like an 80s pop and 80s new wave stuff. Not so much hair metal, I noticed. Well, and then there's also, because remember when Rockstar came out with Mark Wahlberg, which is a fucking amazing movie, which is pretty much like doing a rock biopic, but instead you do, you have an original story where you just kind of pull from other bands and kind of piecemeal a, a story together. Well, that one's like one of those ones, like that mm-hmm. came out the theaters, but I think that one came out too early because that came out like in 2001 where people would have been like very like, oh. No way, fucking hair metal. Because that movie, I remember, like, it didn't do good at all. And I'm like, dude, that movie's so good. Dude, Mark Wahlberg fucking kills it in it. Plus, you get Zach Wilde in there fucking shooting guns off, like, driving down the road. And it's even got, like, a Steel Panther, you know, um, what's his name? God, driving like right now. But he's in it for, like, a split second and so on. Like, it's a really good movie with, you know, fantastic original songs and so on. But I think that was a perfect example. Like, it was a little too early for, like, that time. Because if you think about, like, you're doing a movie based on hair metal that's only a tad bit over ten years old at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Some people are people are just starting to get over grunge rock. So, yeah, because that's still like, oh, well, maybe it was a fucking Nickelback movie. I would have went and saw it, or if it had Limp Bizkit in it. <laughs> that post grunge era. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that 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 kind of era. But uh, but yeah, that's my number nine, The Dirt. I felt like that went onto a tangent of all music tangents. Well, I can expect we're probably going to lead to a tangent no matter what we talk about. Um, so I guess that leads to my number eight, uh, which is Booksmart. Oh, Booksmart. I, I did, I actually did go and see this movie, which it was kind of funny because I used to laugh because at Regal, they, it still has this advertisement. The very oh, end. Fuck that advertisement. They have, you know, the stupid thing where it's like, you know, Coca-Cola and Regal, like, are getting together, the, you know, the show young filmmakers who have tons of money in their pocket from their parents, like, you know, the make a Coke ad or whatever. And it always has Olivia Wilde. She's like, hi, I'm Olivia Wilde of Booksmart. And I just think it's funny. It's like, Regal didn't even fucking play your movie in theaters. So uh, I don't know why you're teamed up with him, them. They, they just let your movie go soaring straight movie. to DVD. <laughs> you know? And um, this was movies where it's just like, I remember I, I was literally sitting in the hospital. And I was like, oh, it's on Hulu? Okay, whatever. I'm good. Like, this sounds weird, but this almost sounds like if you shove an ad down someone's throat, like, enough times, it might work kind of thing. Because I've only seen that Olivia Wilde ad, like, fucking, like, probably, like, a hundred to- times in the last year. So it's kind of like, okay, I'll see what this book smart's about. Like, prove me, <laughs> like, ladies. If you, let if you me know what's up. Like, if you, if you played enough, you just might get Manchurian candidated enough to watch it. Exactly. Like, I and suddenly I crave really kinda... Coca-Cola too. Yeah, popcorn, you know. But um But yeah, it's like one of those ones where uh I remember watching it, it's like, oh, it's like a female super bad. That's pretty much at the end of the day what it is. You know, and I actually did kind of enjoy it. You know, I, I didn't think it was like, you know, anywhere close to a top ten movie, but I was like, oh, I was actually kind of impressed. It was it was kind of a fun, like yeah, just a female super bad, and it had even like those weird raunchy jokes, but didn't feel like they worked. It was like those ones that we like some movies that would have felt like shoehorned. This one, it didn't feel so bad. Well, I thought first off the writing in it was pretty funny, and yeah, going into it, it feels like 
a female super bad, but then you go into there's more to it than that because I think this movie does a good job of flipping a lot of um, high school movie. It starts off like kind of cliche high school movie super bad, but then it kind of flips the script on you in some way, you know, because you realize these two girls, one of them's like, you know, they're both like one of them's like this. She she's like super into school, student government, all this shit. The other one is a little bit more of kind of like into politics and into like gender studies and all that kind of stuff. And they're super like just very bookish and not really they never really go out and do any partying because they focus so hard. And then, you know, one of them, somebody's talking shit about one of them while the other's in the bathroom. Uh, not the girl, like one of the girl, like uh, some group of kids is talking shit on one of the girls while she's in the bathroom. Then she walks out, and then she has one of those moments like, oh, by the way, here's what I'm doing. I'm going to Yale. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Fuck you. Go enjoy it, because you're at the best point of your life right now. Fuck off. And like, actually, no, I'm uh, I'm going to Stanford. What? Yeah, and I'm going to Google. I'm not even, not even, I'm not even going to college. So Google wants to hire me right off the bat, you know? So it's like all like these fucking derpy, dopey-ass, like, party kids have been living this full life why they've been just and they've just did just as good at, at, at like school but they've actually had time to make friends and go out and party and all that so they're like well we got to actually go out and have some fun we actually got to try this out and you kind of as the movie goes on it has a lot of those raunchy jokes and a lot of those more like um um social interaction kind of like cringe worthy moments like not not that it's so bad it's cringe worthy but just like you cringe watch like oh don't do that but as it goes on mm-hmm. Like, a lot of the characters are all a little deeper than they let on. It doesn't feel too cliche or too cheesy about it either. Like, when it gets to the end, when it gets closer to the end, and that there's, like, that inevitable, like, third act moment when everything just kind of goes to shit for everybody, it actually feels pretty genuine. It doesn't feel like, oh, we put this here because it has to be here. It's like, oh, no, that actually feels very real. And at the same time, all these characters who seem throwaway arch- archetypes are actually have more going on to them. Yeah, no, I I was pretty impressed by it. It was one of those ones where it's like, oh, this is actually like a pretty solid movie, and yeah, it has kind of like, yeah, like almost like a message in it too. It's not just jokes and you know fart and boob jokes and what have you and so on. Like there actually is something kind of going on in it, and the characters are likable and characters are kind of relatable, and it is that interesting thing too where you just see these people that go. Oh shit, you know, because they're really like the the two girls in it are like almost like the ultimate definition of like preppy. I know preppy's kind of has like a more of a broader term nowadays, it seems like. But like when you think of like classic old fashioned preppy, that's what these girls are. That's like all they're doing is preparing for like college. That's it. They realize that that's they gotta do more and. And then also as they kind of go out too, you you feel like they go out and it's almost like they have those moments in the parties where like, oh shit, people like us. We're having a good time and so on like that. And then you kind of realize like, oh no, they don't fucking like you still. They still kind of hate you and so And they almost have those kind of like hard turn moments, but they're kind of interesting in it too. Yeah. And I think that movie was, it was one of those movies I went in, everyone was telling, not everyone, but a lot of people who saw it, because like, it was one of those movies that just kind of popped up on me last minute because I didn't see a wide release for this thing, but I heard a few people, I heard a few shows i watched so you know what i watched this booksmart movie it was pretty good and marley suggested it to me and a few other people like all right it's on hulu let me check it out came out in 2019 so who knows might make the list oh it did that's cool it's funny that movie has some fucking negative reviews too like i just remember like i can't remember i think it was on like netflix or something like that and it's like that's the fucking stupidest movie i've ever seen like comments on netflix really yeah they get and they have like are you going online or whatever 
Yeah, well, I guess you got to go on the desktop or the app or whatever. But um, oh, okay. Yeah, it literally had like one out of five stars, and I was like, "Holy crap!" I mean, there's people that liked it too, but it was either like you like this movie or you f- fucking hated it. And it's like I remember kind of going like watching, like I don't really know how someone could like hate, but they thought like the the writing was off, the acting was off, like the, it was like, and there was like a, multiple com you know comments like that too, and I was kind of like, "Huh, it's funny how this movie has really offended a lot of people somehow, some way." It's probably because, if I had to guess, um, both the main characters, and this isn't me trying to get political, but both the main characters are that very new, um, I guess, that new left-leaning, maybe not to the level of being the, you know, the stereotypical SJW type, but they have tendencies of that, but I also think it's meant to be somewhat satirical in that, and kind of poke fun at that. And some people have no concept of irony or whatever you know because sometimes when you start throwing around like political views in a movie when you start throwing around political views in a movie and all that people sometimes get really bent out of shape really quickly even if it is meant to be satire yeah because i would even say those characters are even that they those characters just to me just come across as like hey it's your standard kind of you know preppy you know book smart girls i get that that, that's what it is like you know what i mean like they don't they don't feel because because you know the kind of the, the sort of the fatter one in that movie she kind of has like the I don't give a That's fuck Hill's you know like I'll do whatever. <laughs> Is it really? No, no wonder she's yep. like totally the Jonah Hill character. Yeah, that makes sense. They're like we're doing a super bad like we're doing more or less like a girl version of super bad. Let's bring in the sister. Make, yeah, make so, as I home. said, yeah. But no, it's it's that still was a fun movie, and I was I was it was one of the movies where I was more surprised. I didn't really I really it was one of the movies like well let's just find out, you know. What I mean, I, if I don't like it in a half an hour or whatever, I'll turn it off kind of film. And then I was like, oh no, that was actually I was pretty impressed. Yeah, I like that one. So, uh, what's your number eight? My number eight is the Art of Self Defense with Jesse Eisenberg. Oh, that was good. I like that one. And, and that was one of those movies where it's just like it was another one on Netflix where I was just kind of scrolling through of like the two thousand like whatever nineteen movies and I was like I, just, I literally ran across I was like there's just people like throwing fucking punches and kicks and so on I was like Jesse Eisenberg I'm like what what's this kung fu movie I missed out on and then it's just like Jesse Eisenberg I was like this sounds I'll watch that shit. Yeah, I mean, like, get me wrong, like, Jesse Eisenberg's one of those people, like, by this point, like, I actually really like him as an actor, but, uh, I was like, fuck it, let me, let me see what it is. So I rented it and whatnot, and, um, it was one of those movies, I had, well, yeah, I had, I had no idea what this movie was fucking about. It was just like, pop it in, fucking looks like they're doing some kind of martial art, Jesse Eisenberg. And then you just kind of see this kind of loser guy who works a basic, boring job, nobody seems to like him, you know what I mean? He goes home. He's got, like, his kind of, like, wimpy apartment and, you know, small dog and all kinds of stuff like this. And then it's, like, all of a sudden, it's, like, he gets the fucking shit beat out of him by a motorcycle gang. And he's, like, well, I got to go, you know, figure out some self-defense. So, at first, he goes to get a gun. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like any normal person would do. And then he decides <laughs> not to, and he, he stumbles across his martial arts club. And from that point on, once he's in this martial arts club, I just, the way that it, the, the dialogue in the movie is, like, so, like, unnaturally how people talk. But I just, I, I just love the way it is. Just the way it is. Like, once he starts getting really into it, and gets more into it. And it's like, it's almost like these people like treat it like this lifestyle like change, which is like almost how I feel. Sort of like martial arts should be, anyways. But like, to like the, this weird level of like almost like it's a cult, but also at the same time differently. Just 
parts where Jesse Eisenberg's like, you know, once he gets his yellow belt, he's like, you know, I just, I feel strong with my yellow belt. I just, I started wearing my yellow belt everywhere I go. And he has it, like, around him as he's walking in, like, the office with, like, fucking, like, a tie on and a collared shirt and tucked in, and, and, like, you know, tucked in shirts into, like, slacks and whatnot. And it's just, the small things in that movie are fucking hilarious and amazing. And it's one of those films where it's, like, it's really not even, like, the greatest movie ever made, but it's one of those ones where, like, Nothing is really like it, and the more you think about it, there's just parts in it. It's just like they're just so golden and so amazing. Well, it's so weird because the movie itself is very muted, and everything seems very kind of stale. And it's like it, it's a world, it's an alternate world where you can get away with killing somebody, and it's not a big deal. You could literally talk your way out of it. You're like, oh, well, he came at me, so I had to do what I had to do. Now I'm running his dojo. Like, Oh, okay. All right. Cool. <coughs> it's, you know, it's kind of like like there's a part like earlier like like it's a world where it's really hostile too. Like there's a part when he's just like talking, you know, like he's in the break room and there's some guys sitting around a table and like, oh yeah, can you believe fucking Gary trying to invite us all over to his place for fucking dip for like you know barbecue? Oh yeah, fuck him. He's trying to be our he's he's our boss. But he's trying to be nice. Fuck him. What should we do? I don't know. Maybe we could like you know like mess up with his computer. I don't know, we could burn his house down. Just hear him say that, like, randomly. <laughs> Just in, like, <laughs> most casual way possible. And then that's when Jesse Eisenberg walks in and says, like, oh, well, you know, he's really nice. I was over there a little bit ago. We, you know, I met his wife. They just had a baby, so I don't think he should burn down his house. That's arson. That's not good. Like, who are you? Like, oh, I'm in the accounting department. I do this. Like, <laughs> you're the guy who looks at our accounting? Yeah. Get the fuck out of here! Like, okay, alright, he just leaves. And then later, when he actually starts getting way more confident, he goes over there, he's just like, Let's all do start doing push-ups! You're not doing push-ups! You're not manly enough! I want that chair! You move! I'm sitting there! And then the other just look at him like, You heard him, you get out of the chair. You know, so... It's just like that kind of shit. <laughs> or it's like... There's the part, like, going back to the belt. At some point, he's like, You know what? I went and got, like, custom-made belts... Of all of our colors. And Sensei, I got one for you. Yours is a black belt. It's just a standard, regular-ass black belt. It's like, oh, wow. I feel like I'm in power now. <laughs> you know, like, like, the concept of wearing a traditional black belt never crossed his mind. Yeah, it's just, like, it's weird small things like that. Because, like, the whole, like, kind of story, too, is almost, like, the fact of, like, how to be pretty much... It's, like, almost a story of just how to be more manlier... You know, and as is, is it kind of goes on, and then it's almost like there's a right way and a wrong way to sort of do it. It's kind of like the moral of it. But the whole point of the movie is just like manly. Because even Jesse Eisenberg at the very end is like top tier manly, like almost like old school, like caveman, like, oh, like I'm in charge here now. And so is she. We together will be in charge. But there's a part where it's just like, I love when the sensei is talking to fucking Jesse Eisenberg. So he's like, she's like, so, um. So what kind of so what kind of music are you listening to? He's like, well, you know, adult contemporary, and he just has this look on his face, like, no, no, this, you will from this point on, you will never listen to that again. You will only listen to metal. Metal is the only masculine <laughs> music that you're gonna need. <laughs> you know, and he's like, he's like, well, what are some of your hobbies? He's like, well, I'm learning French, and he has that like, no, oh. no, 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 no. Today you will forget that you will need a you need a manly language like German or Russian. <laughs> <laughs> and I even like there's a part where he, like Jesse Eisberg goes home and he's like there's a little dog there he's like and he says it in German and stuff he's like he's like 
I, I, can, I cannot hold you anymore. I have been coddling you too much. It is making you weak. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's also a lot of parts, like, without spoiling who or what happens, there's a point earlier in the movie where he's learning a technique, and it's like, it's like you will punch with your foot and kick with your fist. And later, somebody gets attacked, and he's talking to the doctor, and he's like, Doctor, what's it like? Well, I can tell you he didn't go down without a fight, but... Look at the scar tissue. It's so weird. It was like he was almost punched with a foot. <laughs> like that. Like something nobody would fucking say. <laughs> but the thing about the movie is near like the third act, it actually starts to go a very dark and sinister route. It's still in this weird kind of surrealist world, but it gets very dark at the end of the movie. But it doesn't feel too out of place. Like it really flips it, but at the same time... It still plays by these same rules where people are just very nonchalant because earlier he walks in and they're teaching a children's class and the children's class is literally teaching you how to kill somebody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like not just self-defense, you know what I mean? Like beyond that. Well, and I think that's kind of how it works is the movie starts off as kind of like a weird kind of drama comedy that's like almost very dry. Quasi-Napoleon Dynamite? Yeah, and then as it goes on, it goes down just a darker path, darker path, till it gets, like, really dark, and then it kind of comes back back up again, and... I don't know, it's one of those movies where it's, like, as about halfway in the movie, I remember kind of being like, you know, this is good, maybe not as amazing as I thought it was, but it was one of those movies that was a total, like, you finish the movie, and then the next day you wake up and you go, oh, that was a really good movie. You know what I mean? Like, that was something way different... You know, and I just like the idea that nobody's really made a movie I've ever seen that focused so much on the belts and the belts colors and almost like the hierarchy of that. You know what I mean? Because you always kind of think of like in Taekwondo or something. It's like, well, yeah, the belts are there just to kind of show how far along you've been. Where in this movie, they treat those colors like with such pride and such power and such like, you know, like this is, you know, this is your rank in life almost. And I think... Something about that was just, I think, was very kind of interesting and cool. Yeah, well, there's even that part where the one guy, there's, like, one guy is like, you have the blue belt. I can never take that from you. But I can't take your arm. Bam! <laughs> just, like, this totally fucks up his <laughs> arm. Like, dislocates. You don't see bone shooting out, but you know that's what happens. Like, you see, it's all swollen. Like, it's all soaked in blood and all that. Like, is, is gi. Uh-huh. Like, how serious he no, takes yeah. that. Like, I cannot take your belt from you, but I can take something else. Yeah, I know. It is. It's a very interesting movie. It's like one of those movies where it's like, I feel like it's a, it's like probably like, out of all my movies on my list, you know, it's like, it's not definitely my favorite one out of them all, but like, it's one of those ones, like, I almost recommend it higher than anything else because it's like, if you want to see something different, interesting, fun, funny, dark, crosses so many things, this is the movie to see. Well, there's also a weird kind of, I think it helps with the blandness, but there's also a weird artistic choice. If they're going to like a bar, it just says, bar if he's going to a uh, get dog food for his dog it's just a bag that says dog food yeah everything's just so almost like black and white plain and simple you know mm-hmm. uh, do you mind if you just pause but just yeah. for like literally two seconds one sec go for it
right, sorry for that. Back. Okay. Well, um, that was uh, my number eight. What's your number seven? My number seven is, and I know I was talking a little down about it, I and mean, I liked it, but I was talking a little bit down about it when we first talked about it. But my number seven is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, I know. Because the first time you saw it, and I told you, I was like, dude, it's going to be a Jackie Brown. That's what this movie is. You know what I mean? It's like, you're going to watch it the first time and be like, that's good. But, you know, probably like one of my least favorite of the Tarantino movies. But as it keeps going on, the more you watch it, you're going to enjoy it even more. And that's how I definitely feel about Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Once Upon, that's like my go-to one, I guess, whenever I think of those films. But um, is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood... I, this, you know, the, I've only watched it a couple times so far, but every single time I watch it, I like it that much more. I mean, like, I like it from start to finish. I really enjoy it. I don't think there's actually a dull moment in it. The whole way through, I'm entertained. It's uh, one of those movies that, like, when I first saw it, I liked it. And the more I thought about it, I was like, there's a little bit more of, like, a, I wish they did more of this, less of that, you know, because the Sharon Tate thing... A lot of her stuff is kind of boring and kind of stands out, and I get what they're trying to do, but it felt. Oh yeah, I guess I will say that, that, to me. that stuff. I mean, I know why it's in there, but that probably, if there is a part that's kind of like my least favorite parts, it's some of those parts. But thinking back on the movie, and um, I watched it again recently. I've only seen it twice. Saw it once in theaters, and ironically enough, last time I was in town visiting, my parents ended up buying it digitally, and I watched it, and. Um, it was one of those things, like, I, I liked it when I first saw it, and but I liked it more the second time around. I don't know if I like it as much as, say, because it was, a, like, you say, it's kind of a similar effect Jackie Brown. Because Jackie Brown went from being, like, you know, one of my le- least favorite Tarantino movies, and as time went on, I don't know what happened, but as time went on, it became, like, I liked it a lot more. And it's probably somewhere in my top three or four Tarantino films. This one's still probably mid-range Tarantino, but I definitely like it more from when I, when I first saw it. And it's more of just a slow, once going into it, knowing what it is, knowing it's a slow, chill-out, hangout kind of movie. Because I guess I was almost thinking, because it's about, like, you know, this struggling actor and his and his um, stuntman. I almost imagine it being more of, like, going to see it. Like, him trying to pull off some kind of deal to get out of the industry or to get, like, a job and then... Something, something along those lines would involve Charles Manson or something to that effect. And I just, so I was expecting something kind of like, sort of like, maybe not a heist, but like a con or, or something like that. Just Tarantino type shit, you know? But then realizing, oh, it's more of a day in the life kind of movie. And then, you know, mm-hmm. still enjoying it, but then like, oh, okay, it's a little bit more Inglorious Bastards than it is other stuff. But then still watching it again, like, you know what? It's still a really good movie. And... Brad Pitt and Leo DiCaprio by themselves are really fun to watch, but when they're together, it's like magic. It's like I would watch a whole movie series. Well, first off, I watch a whole movie series of just that Brad Pitt character, but I would also watch a movie <laughs> series of just those two hanging out. Oh, yeah, dude. Like that, That's one of those ones where it's like you could, you could give me another movie of just those two guys together. Shit, you could give me an early days movie of that where like it's like, you know, the eight years beforehand, like, when they're just shooting the, whatever the heck it's called, Bronco, what, what the fuck was their show called? Lancer? Oh, 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 the, uh, Lawman show, I remember what it's called, but he's the doing Bounty Law! Bounty Law, that's right. Yeah, so, I, I would watch one just of just those two characters over and over like that, but, um, no, I really enjoyed that one, and it is totally the Hangout film, and I think that's the thing, is once you kind of understand what it is, 
and you know what you're kind of into, like you just watch it and you just like absorb that dialogue. You know, those scenes are great and so on like that. And then plus, once I, I said that uh, um, Knives Out had one of the best endings ever. Well, something this that tops definitely. that ending more than anything else. This is this ending right here. Like, if there's not an ending that puts a bigger smile on your face than this, I don't know what this Because you watch this and it's just it's just like magic. It really just is like... It's almost like because I was I noticed like in a sense like I'll say it's the last handful of movies Tarantino's done. What he pretty much has done in every single one of them is he gives you like almost like the perfect ending in every single one. And I'll even say there's a movie that like it's not my perfect ending, but I get where it's coming from. Is like Death Proof is I think kind of the start of when he wanted to really do those because you know to somebody be like I guess if you are being like hunted by a killer and whatnot, and then you just flip on the killer and actually kill them. I guess by that standard, it's a perfect ending. As a Kurt Russell fan, you're like, that ain't the fucking perfect ending, but that's beyond <laughs> the point. You kind of go to his next movies, you know, in Glorious Bastards. It's the perfect ending. They fucking just kill Hitler and everything like that. You go to Django Unchained, it's got that badass fucking shootout at the end, just so cool, you know, and then you go to, um, um, Hey Flight. Drawing a blank right now on that, that, the one there in the cabin, in the snow. Hateful Eight. Um, Hateful Eight. And I remember that movie, too, watching it in theaters, because you're like, God, I hope this character like doesn't make it, so on. The very end of that movie has like the best like choice of how that movie could have ended. And it's just like the characters you want to live, you're just together, and just like, yes. It just gives you that yes feeling. And then like it feels like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood just tops that off even more, of giving you that, like, fuck yeah. Yeah, well, especially kind of by that point, watching the movie and watching, keep in mind the tone of the rest of the movie, I was kind of like, okay, it's going to do one of two things. Spoilers ahead here. Uh, it's going to do one of two things. It's either going to gonna like kind of loosely, because I don't see them, I don't see them actually showing the murder. And if they do, they're not going to show the whole thing. But it's either going to just be, we had a fun time, but this is where everything ends kind of sadly. <laughs> and this is where Hollywood starts to change. Or they're just going to inglorious bastards and just surprise you and change history here. Which is, by that point, I was like, I think they might do that with this movie. Because he's done that before. And also, I don't think of the killing of Sharon Tate and everybody else in that house would really fit the rest of what this movie was. And then, um, once uh, once the one lady, uh, Ethan Hawke's daughter drives off the car with the car i'm like okay it's gonna do something different because she didn't do that in real life so here we go yeah so i don't know that that movie to me is just an overall fun great movie like i i I really enjoy it one of one of my favorite parts of the movie it's such a small thing but it's like when they're like oh our episode of fbi comes on tonight and they're just sitting there watching it and it just it's more panned on the tv as <laughs> they're watching like oh that was a nice jump thanks man you know and all of a sudden he's just like the star comes in like that guy's a fucking asshole <laughs> <laughs> well that totally reminded me of, like that, that's that's no different than like making a movie yourself and then you just kind of like sit down if you're like buddy be like oh dude let's watch let's watch this fucking movie you made oh, okay cool and then it's just like you know, even if you're watching a movie you made, like, in high school or something like that, and you just see all the people in there, you're like, oh, I fucking hate that kid. Like, why'd you put him in the movie? I don't know. He's fucking there. You know what I mean? And that's the one available at the moment. That sort of reminded me of, like, that kind of, like, that commentary. Like, you know, it's like that sort of thing where, like, you're not supposed to talk in the movie theater, but, like, if you're at home and you're, like, with a buddy, 
and you're watching something that you are already kind of a part of and you kind of have behind the scenes, like almost like knowledge of it. Like, I just love that little like commentary part on there. Cause I feel like that, that feels so real. Like if you were sitting down with your friend, you know, and you watching something that you guys created or worked on. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I love that scene. And just, of course there's a the crazy action scene at the end, but it's also just Brad Pitt's character just steals that movie. I just watch a movie with him traveling the road. There's even a lot of the lines he has when he's talking to the, I think her name's Margaret Qualey, the actress, when he's talking to that character. And he's all like, you know, he's like, the law dog's been coming after me since I was, since I was, since I could talk. And I'll be damned if I go in because of you. Like, I'm not going to fuck around with you at all. Don't, don't try nothing sly. You're not going to get one up on me. Or there's even the part with Dakota Fanning when, like, the totally yeah. felt like Texas T- Chainsaw Massacre when there's so much tension building and he's like well it's been a long time I'd like to see uh, whatever the guy, the guy who the property owner there he says I'd like to see him he's like well he's sleeping he's like yeah well I came a long way and there's nothing and I don't think you or this screen door is gonna stop me he just stands there he looks over his shoulder army of dirty hippies behind him like oh fuck Brad Pitt's not a real person he could die you know and then like she's like fine like fuck there's so many like that whole moment is so tense, you know. That's like the the, the uh, bar scene in um in Glorious Bastards. Oh yeah, it's just so good, and just yeah, the tension it builds, and just like the dirtiness, and like just that like all that the attention, the detail, like just all the small things, like how nobody in that you know, there's like 50 people that fucking live there, but not a single person's ever lifted their you know finger once to like clean it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's just such a the, the, his Tarantino's always had a great attention to detail, especially the level of like, oh, that's a real producer. Oh, that's a real director. Oh, that's a real actor. A lot of the people are just naming from like costume design or whatever, or people Tarantino kept an eye on. Like, oh, well, that guy he he worked on Green Hornet and he also worked on Lancer and he did this and that and he was more he was most well known for this. Just like you know, just like that type of shit. Yeah, you just don't get that very often. So yeah, that is my number seven. So if that's your number seven, well, my number seven is Avengers Endgame. Avengers Endgame, yeah. And that's just one of those ones, like, you just bring it all kind of together right there, and you get a huge, you know, ending battle scene and whatnot, and even though they got kind of time travel, it still sort of works, because, you know, there's some movies where, like, you know, you have a time travel thing like that. Like, I almost even thought, too, it's like, it almost like it like there's that kind of contemplation you have where you're like, would it be better just to kind of keep it sort of in a dark where it's like, yeah, shit fucking happens, get used to it, you know what I mean? Like, or do we have the fucking Santa Claus ending where we go back in time and fix everything, you know, and so on? But it's it works in the Avengers Endgame somehow, some way. Like it's like you know what it doesn't really throw. I mean, like granted, I, I could go with the fucking dark apocalypse type ending and just be like, yeah, the characters that I generally like are still alive, so it's okay. I mean, like yeah, there's a couple of them I wish I had, but you know. Just like real life, you don't get everything you want. All that being said, it's one of those movies I know that, um, you know, going into Infinity War, I knew a lot of these characters were going to come back. And and when we first walked out of Infinity War, I was like, I liked it. I wasn't blown away. And then as time went on, I liked it more. And by the time we came to our review that year, it wasn't like number one or two, but it was like, I think somewhere like around 10 or 8 nine maybe somewhere around that area and um Mm -hmm. and when it comes to endgame though that one 
I th that one I liked so much more than Infinity War because Infinity War was cool. It had a lot of action, but and this one still has a lot of action. It has like some of the best action scenes you've ever seen in the superhero movie. But I think, and I don't want to sound all cheesy, aside from the big giant action scene at the end, I think my favorite period of the movie is just them kind of coping and kind of dealing with the loss of everything. Because this isn't a comic. It's one of the hardest things to do is when you had something go on for this long. And still have it pull off and still make it feel like that was all worth it. And this movie definitely felt like it was all worth it. And there's so many audible fuck yeah moments throughout this movie. I mean, I'm going to say, if you don't like Marvel movies, this one's probably not going to change your mind. But at the same time, I think this is a movie that could get some people, not, not all people, but some people like, oh wow, there's more to this than I thought. Because it kind of redeems certain characters for me that kind of annoy me. Because at some point, I'll be honest... I always liked Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, but I thought he was kind of hogging the spotlight too much in some movies, and they're enforcing too many jokes in there at some point. I've kind of warmed more up to him, but by this, ever since Civil War, though, I think that they found that perfect balance. Other people will be like, fuck you, he's always had it. Well, I mean, I just thought he was always good, but I always thought they'd try to push him too much. I think by Civil War and onward, they've had him dialed in perfectly of the funny guy, but this guy who's still kind of haunted and kind of feels, has an immense amount of guilt. Yeah, no, I definitely agree too, because I feel like exactly about that same time period, I started to like, actually like Iron Man a lot more because before I remember that was like the one character be like, dude, he's like, everybody thinks he's the fucking greatest person ever. I don't fucking get it. That's how I sort of felt. And now I, I can go back and watch the old Iron Man and be like, yeah, okay, I'm I, now I just accept it because that's just what it is. But there was a time period where it's just like, I'm like, I don't get the fucking Iron Man character. Like, th th that's fucking weird. That's never I read him in the comics and whatnot. And I mean, I, I, I'm sorry, I cut you off. There's a the delay. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, it's just, but by this point, like, I kind of like the, like, the sort of, like, the tragic kind of, like, Robert Downey Jr. character where he still throws a couple jokes out here and there, but they don't just make him, like, a fucking, like, jukebox walking around fucking, you know, spurting out a joke every two or three lines. Because that was, because that was always what got me in that first Avengers movie. It's just, like, it was almost, like, so comedy-oriented. And it's just, like, you gotta tell, I, I know, I know somebody told you that was, some of that stuff's funny, but, like, it's either, are you making a superhero movie, or are you making Mel Brooks Presents the Avengers? You know what I mean? You, you gotta pick one or the other. Don't try to go this middle route. It's weird. I feel like, um, in watching the other movies, the only one that I think that they're trying too hard on the comedy is uh, Iron Man 2. And then, even though Iron Man 3 is a good story, and Shane Black is a fantastic director, um, I think Iron Man 3, there are moments where the comedy kind of ruins the momentum but still a good movie um but this movie right here robert downey jr aside this is kind of like my girlfriend when we went to go see this movie she's only seen a handful of marvel movies uh she saw black panther that was her first one and you can kind of go into that one fairly blind and then um she had a long plane ride so she was like all right well i'll watch infinity war because it's like three hours and i got a long plane ride so I might as well kill some time my new boyfriend likes this shit so i might as well see what it's all about had no idea what was going on I was like i didn't know what was going on but it was still kind of entertaining i knew who black panther was and then i showed her like a few i showed her civil war and then we watched spider-man and then going to see this so there's a lot of things to kind of fill in but all that being said, she was still kind of like, I really liked it. I thought it was way better. I mean, I thought I figured it'd be good, but 
even with all the things miss, even all the missing information, I still I still see why people like this. I, it was still a really fun movie, and there actually was a lot of character development there. Yeah, well, in this one too, it's like a lot of the characters they kind of keep are always like the very interesting ones, and then plus you get a little bit more Hawkeye in this one because I was always afraid this whole time they were going to kill Hawkeye off. I thought that every oh, so I thought that I. since like Avengers since Avengers one, I'm like they're going to fucking kill Hawkeye. I just fucking know it. It's like my favorite Marvel character, and they just know he's not going to make it. And even like in this movie where they have that moment where like him and Black Widow are like, "Fuck you, no, fuck you, I'm going to kill myself, no, I'm going to kill myself." I remember just sitting there and be like. And it was almost like everybody else has that moment. Butthole like, oh. clenched. Yeah, like, Black Black Widow's gonna fucking die. Or, like, you know, that. I'm like, just don't kill Hawkeye. And then when I remember when Black Widow died, I was like, I felt like, oh, oh, jeez, oh, huh, I'm relieved. <laughs> oh, anybody need, like, a drink or something like that? Like, jeez, oh, that's it's okay, though. They're like, oh, my gosh. What are you talking about? Black Widow just died. I'm like, oh, that's okay. <laughs> that's my least fucking favorite Avenger. <laughs> like, Hawkeye survived. Everything is golden. <laughs> I said this when we first talked about that movie, but um, I was like the only person laughing so hard. We had like, I must have like a stigmata twin moment or some shit because I was laughing so hard when she died because <laughs> I, and everyone's looking at me like, what's wrong with this fucking psycho? Because I was there, so, I was there like, oh, don't let, because I'm running through, like, watching one of these movies. If you're one of those people who stays educated on what movies are coming out and who has this many movies or whatever, it's kind of hard to kind of like not keep that in mind while watching it. So I'm like, all right, they're talking about a Hawkeye show, but for all I know, it could be Kate Bishop Hawkeye. Uh, but Black Widow has her own movie coming out. But what if that's a prequel? I don't know. It is a prequel. But, <laughs> you know, then but there is there is more than one Black Widow. So it could be her sister. That's who the Black Widow movie could be. Um, uh, oh, shit. Is that, is that? Then all of a sudden, oh, okay, okay. Jeremy Renner made it. Hawkeye's okay. And then just after that, for a split second, like, Spencer's happier than a pig in shit right now. Because <laughs> I knew you saw it before me. So I could just imagine you. It's like, oh, thank. The character everybody else loves is dead. All right. Yeah, the, the character that everybody else seems to fucking hate, like, I love. So fuck you guys. I get my Jeremy Renner. I don't. I never hated or disliked Black Widow or even Scarlett Johansson. I just never really cared for a character that much. But by the end of that movie, uh, by the, by this point in the series, I was more endeared to her. Yeah, well, I'll say that is, I don't hate the character. It's just I don't. That's like literally my least favorite of as far as not not Black Widow. I guess you'd say in comic books, but as far as in the movies, that's literally my least favorite character of everybody else. Like you know what I mean? Like. I don't think there's anybody I can think of that's, you know, other than maybe some real, like, C character. But out of all the main ones, I'm like, so, so it's like, whew, that's okay. She can go away as long as Hawkeye stays. That's all that matters. You know, fuck, c roll credits. <laughs> I don't need to see anymore. I'm already saved. It's no, probably safer if we, roll if we roll credits now. I, I, don't, I don't trust this. He might not make it any farther. This, this is another thing. Uh, every so often people complain about like nods, winks, and hints to previous movies or makes it panderish or whatever. Um, this is one where I think most of the nods and winks it gives to previous movies actually affect the story one way or the other. And not just the time travel aspect, but, you know, like Falcon saying, on your left to cap, because that is such like a fuck yeah moment. Mm -hmm. But that's also the first time they meet. And... After he lost, he thinks he lost his best friend. He thinks he's about to lose this battle. 
thing he needs most right there is on your left, and he gets it. So there's a lot of things like that in that movie that seem so minor and small, but always come full circle. I mean, the thing with Cap with the grabbing Thor's hammer, just such a small throwaway moment in Avengers, which was funny. Avengers 2, but then it happens here, and it's just like one of the most fuck yeah moments possible in that whole, not just Avengers, but the whole MCU series. Plus, it's also the thing where you're like, America is worthy. That's all you think yeah. when you see that, too. It's just like, fuck yeah. Who, who grabbed that? America grabbed it. USA! You know what I, I mean? I saw this. <laughs> I saw it was this it Captain Britain that grabbed it? You know <laughs> they're, they're, I mean? they're talking about, you know, they're running out of ideas. They're talking about, we're going to maybe do a Union Jack movie down the line. Like, all right, let's make Luke Cage first before we jump to Union Jack. All right? <laughs> yeah. Sure, we, we we got some other characters that could even use more movies, like you know the Punisher and so on. So uh, yeah, I, I yeah. want I want a Heroes for Hire movie, and if I don't I don't be, I don't want to be one of those people who's just like reboot it again. But they're apparently they might not acknowledge the Netflix, um, the 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 TVMA Netflix Marvel movies because they are TV shows because they never really you know it's kind of still sort of a separate department. Like the the Netflix Marvel TV shows or would be kind of like. They would acknowledge things from the movies, but the movies would be like, we don't know you guys. Who the fuck are you? And um, so now that they might bring those together, I'm really hoping. I mean, I liked the first season of Luke Cage. I didn't care for Iron Fist. I'm like, I really want Heroes for Hire. Give me Heroes for Hire. Make it a, you know, make me a badass action movie with like Kung Fu and, you know, uh, yeah. I don't know. I'll stop there. Yeah, that'd never ever. That'd be badass, but um, but yeah, back to Avengers and so on. No, it does, especially that last like you know forty minutes or whatever. That big battle just totally delivers. It's just all around badass. You, everybody kind of gets a moment. So whatever character you did like, like they all kind of come back, and they do have cool scenes and so on like that. And then to top it off, it like it does have a good like kind of like round up everything. Like you know what. We're going to take back the stones. Everybody's going to have a good old time. And, you know, people can go on their own paths. But, it, like, it has a very warm, like, happy feeling and so on like that. Like, okay, we're back together and so on. But those still leave off that, like, okay, well, now you can do kind of, like, almost something c- completely different now. And take some of these characters with you. Bring some new characters in. And what have you. You know, it's not just a total, like, it's not like a total ending. It's not like one of those ones where you're like, fuck yeah, roll credits, never play that fucking, don't put anything after this. It's like, no, no, it's just like a, it's just like a end of a chapter, I guess you would say. Other than Loki grabbing the, um, cosmic cube and bouncing for a minute, everything else feels like it could have ended right there. And, but at the same time, it makes total sense that it's all moving forward. Like if they said, you know what? We're going to stop the MCU after this movie. I'm like, well, you guys ended it on a fucking amazing note right there. So, congrats. Good job. But it doesn't feel weird that they're, conti- that they're continuing it. It's just one of those things, like, it makes sense for it to end this way. It makes sense for these characters to exit. And it does it very gracefully. And it does it in a way that feels very natural to the series and still means something. Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. It is, like, a good place to kind of, like, sort of stop and kind of reshift gears. And I know that, like, they're going to, you know, try some other kind of random-ass characters and see how that kind of goes. But, um, but no, it's almost like there's probably going to be, like, that sort of a, like, I mean, granted, you got the Black Widow movie coming out right around the corner and so on. 
But it, there might be like that little bit of like I feel like a slight break, and then it'll start kind of ramping back up again. Or if they're smart, they would give you kind of a little bit of a break, like enough that like you let you let this kind of moment settle in, and then you go on. It's almost the same thing they should do with Star Wars too. Is they should probably just let that sort of settle in, move room to breathe, and then come back with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think the biggest thing, and I don't want to lead to a whole other tangent here, but I think the biggest thing between Star Wars and Marvel, because Star Wars thought they can come in and crank out one or two movies a year and still run like Marvel. The thing about Marvel is, yeah, it is this big connected universe, but at the same time, you're not waiting one or two years to see Captain America again. You're waiting like four years before you get to see Captain America again. You know, a lot of these characters... Sometimes there are movies back to back, but usually it's kind of like okay, you get this many X, you get this many Spider-Man movies, you get this many Iron Man movies, you get this many Avengers movies. Or Star Wars, even though you know it's a giant galaxy, Star Wars is very much to most people Star Wars. So you can get kind of Star Wars mm-hmm. fatigue, and even though you know it's another Marvel movie, and some people are fatigued by Marvel movies, but those things still keep up making a fuck ton of money. So I don't know, it's not stopping yet. Um, you, there's enough characters there that could stand on their own. So it's one of those things, like, if you come up with a Star Wars movie every other week, or not every week, but every year, Pete went from being this thing, you only got, like, once every two years for a ten-year period, between ten years, and then now it's this thing you get all the time, and now it feels a bit more of, like, a rushed product. And, you know, I, I liked Rise of Skywalker, and um, but it what didn't blow me away, but I liked it. I'll tell you this, it didn't make my list. So. Yeah, it didn't make my list either, and it's just one of those ones where it's just, I don't know, it's just, it, it, it ain't fucking George Lucas, it, that's all I, I gotta say. See, I liked it, but at the same time, it was like, it was a good movie, it was enjoyable. People are being a little harsh on it, at the same time. I understand a lot of the criticisms that movie got, but we're not going to talk about that's neither here nor there. Um, just, I think Marvel has a better way of just like, it's still that same universe. You may make a reference to this character or that character, but when you're right, when you're getting tired of this character, we're going to jump to this character over here. And I think that's why Marvel has longevity. And one of the things I'm most excited for Marvel, I never read this character. I know very little about him, but they're making Shang-Chi, the master of Kung Fu is one of their next phase uh, four movies. So it's like, oh my god, we might actually get another martial arts movie in theaters. Oh yeah, that's sweet, because there was a period where people were almost kind of like, oh, like that might be racist. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, that was like the, people were, when they were making that kind of, when Stan Lee was fucking putting together that kind of stuff, that was like a nod to being like, you know, fucking martial arts and Asian culture is amazing. Let's make fucking comic books on it. You know what I mean? So I'm glad they finally are coming back and saying, no, 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 that's cool. Let's do it. Well, he's like a secret agent, uh, secret agent, secret agent uh, martial arts spy. So that's his whole thing. So, and I'm like, all right, I don't mm-hmm. really know anything about him, but let's go from there. And apparently he's going to be going against the Mandarin. So never, that Iron Man villain we never really got to see, which they teased, but now we're actually getting the real Mandarin. Exactly. So well, that'd be pretty sweet. But, um, but yeah, I'm going to say, yeah, that was uh, Avengers was my number seven. Uh, probably should carry on the list, I guess, or else we'll just go on a, yeah. a Marvel tangent. Uh, what's your number yeah. six? My number six. Now, this one's probably going to cause some controversy because I know we both felt differently about this movie. Uh, my number six is Us. Oh, Us? Yeah, this is one of those yeah. ones, like, I saw this one and I was like, I was really excited for it because I liked um, Get Out. Like a lot, I was actually really impressed with that one. Like, oh, dude, it's like fucking like Resident Evil. It's badass. And then us felt like 
oh, this is like when somebody was told that, like, dude, that movie you made so cool, like, so fucking weird and everything like that. It's like, oh, I guess I got to crank the weirdness up. It's almost the equivalent of, like, a sequel that, like, someone had, like, there was an action movie and it had a little bit of comedy in it. And people said, like, dude, that movie you had was fucking hilarious. Like, oh, you like some of those jokes in there? That was just kind of like a side notion. Well, I guess the sequel, I got to crank the comedy. And then next thing you know, it's like an action comedy. That's sort of how Us felt. It felt like it was trying to crank the weirdness up. And I was like, no, it, that's kind of... The only thing I think about Us is that movie was just meant to scare black people from going to Santa Cruz. <laughs> that was my takeaway from that movie. I was like, I could see a black guy being like, you know, especially someone like in New York being like, shit, I ain't ever going to Santa Cruz. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what the fuck goes on over there, but maybe that's the, maybe this is a message that's being spread around is don't go to fucking Santa Cruz if you're black. Well, I'll say the whole thing about this movie is, and I don't know, there's there's essays and all these about it. Like, oh, what is it trying to say this about culture? Is it trying to say this about, you know, segregation? Is it trying to say this about have and have nots, whatever? Um, at the end of the day, um, I, I didn't like it as much as Get Out. But at the same time, I don't know, I, I think it's one of those movies, I didn't go in with low expectations. I didn't actually see it in theaters. I, um... I remember we were actually my girlfriend and I we were house sitting for somebody and they had, that we just rent we saw us on the like Hulu or something like oh let's check this out and it was one of those movies like I already heard you say you disliked it I heard Pete, other people say you know what I didn't like us that much it didn't do it for me and then it was like all right well let's watch it you know I I'm not expecting to be as good as Get Out but kind of going in with lower expectations I was really surprised now I'll say this the whole I love the concept. Of the idea of like, and it's very creepy, the idea of like, okay, there's a failed government experiment to make clones of, if there's an American, that American gets cloned, and then that means that there's there's a weird psychic link they share with the person above, but they're all just kind of huddled in this area, and they're almost kind of like zombie-like, just going through the motions, knowing what they're doing upstairs, but they can't do nothing about it. Now, I guess the... Only real complaint of the movie is um, how do these, like, I I can believe if you're really thrown off, like, what the fuck? These people just start coming out of nowhere and just start shanking. I can understand how that could lead to some kind of, like, not the end of the world shit, but cause havoc for a period of time. At the same time, though, um, I could also see, um, I think it could have used more explanation, like, of what they were, how that all functioned. Not, not Not to the point of, like, Okay, let's have, like, you know, just five minutes of exposition of a scientist. Like, we we had the best intentions, but this is what happened. You know, nothing like that. But at the same time, I think it could have used a little more exposition. But all that aside, it was genuinely really creepy. And it didn't rely on jump scares. And it also had, I think it did have something interesting to say. Kind of like the idea of, like, spoilers here. The girl, the main lady of the movie turns out to be one of the tethered one of these clone people and earlier on in the movie she got switched and flipped around and i guess it kind of brings in the idea of like oh someone from the bottom can rise up and actually be a good loving person and someone from above can be one of these monsters just given the right surrounding like i i like that message like that thing of like dude if you're in that same position who knows what the fuck you would do to get by or feel a little bit of power. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's still, there's still interesting things about the movie. It's just, I just remember, I just felt like it just didn't feel like it delivered as well as it was. And I think sort of like, yeah, maybe if there was a little bit more explanation, it was kind of like, 
sort of the same way I felt about like the Quiet Place movie. Like I remember that was another one. I was like, eh, that was just okay. Like I felt like if you would explain to me more of like what the hell was going on, like I don't give a fuck about the family. Like I could care less about your family problems. I want to know where where these fucking liquor like looking creatures came from and like what they're doing and so on. And maybe the second one will explain it. But uh, I'm kind of feel like. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's like, well, it's, I know there's people out there that they, they like movies when they don't explain, like, anything at all. I, I'm kind of one of those opposite people. Like, I, I, I love, like, give me the fucking explanation. Not, like, the hand-holding explanation, but, like, I want to know the backstory. I want to know that kind of stuff. I don't want to just sit there and kind of make my own stories up around it because I came to see your movie, not my movie. Well, I thought, like, there there's enough there to kind of, like, keep me satisfied but I think there could have been just a little bit more explanation. Because I, I, at the end of the day, I got what the movie was trying to say. I like the mm-hmm. whole part. And the movie still has, like, you know, it's by um, uh, by Jordan Peele. So it has still some of that kind of sense of humor. I like the whole part when, you know, that one that one douchey family they're kind of friends with starts getting. Because when you're, you're watching it, you're like, okay, um, this family's getting attacked by their clones or whatever. And they'll say, oh, shit, they got clones, too. And, like, because, you know, like, what happens is their clones just come in, they stab them in the neck out of nowhere. Like, and you don't even see it coming. There's no, like, and there's no, like, shrill jump scare noise. Just walk around the corner, you know, like that. Oh, shit. And then the mom, I thought, even though it looked like a dark moment, I still thought it was really funny. She's, like, crawling on the ground, and she calls out, like, Alexa, call the police playing fuck the police <laughs> playing that as they're like looming through the house trying to like kill these fucking things oh yeah that, that was that was kind of a little funny moment and so on too i think if and i remember like, correctly because i haven't really seen it since whenever it came out but like did it have like i remember like a lot of the death scenes were all were very simple if i remember correctly but i could be kind of wrong as i said it's been like a year since i've seen that movie it's more of a creep factor than a gore fest. Uh, the only one that and they didn't really show it a whole lot. Uh, like one of the clones got pulled into like was a, it was a boat and got pulled into like the propeller of a boat and you just saw a bunch of blood come out of the waters. He just gets pulled under, and then um, another the one spoilers folks um, another one like the creepiest of the whole family was the little girl. She was the fucking creepiest because she had that like big wide eyed smile, face would barely change, she just run and just stab people. And there's that part where they fucking hit her with the car and they get out of the car a checker, and she's like basically bent like in a way, like her back is totally broken. Her legs are still kicking, and she's still smiling, and she has a knife, and she's slashing at him, and she can't reach him, but she's like smiling, hey, 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 like almost like still kicking him, still trying to run, but like Bitch, you're split in half, like, more than Batman when he fought Bane. So it was, like, one of those things, like, there's a lot of genuinely creepy things like that. And maybe, like I said, I could have used more explanation of what those things were or how they're down there and why they didn't rise up sooner, maybe. But at the same time, um, I ultimately get what the movie's trying to say about this have and have not and where you start and where you can end up. And I enjoyed it. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. The way you talk about it makes me almost want to see it kind of again, because I just remember, like, when I walked out, I was like, well, this was stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where, 
kind of going in with lowered expectations. Not going to lie. Not saying that, well, if I, you didn't tell me this, I wouldn't have liked it more. But at the, kind of going in, just being like, all right, well, let's see what this is all about. I was, I'll be honest. It was one of those movies that kind of like, since we're not, we're not saying our place, we were house sitting, kind of like, like, are you sure you want to watch this tonight? There was a moment where we like, let me check, lock all the doors, because, yeah, a little, like, creepy-ass fuck. There's mainly the little girl. She's creepy. And there's also some things in there, I think, that are, like, um, implied that some of the people that are already in the movie may have been switched around. Like, the little boy, I think he may actually been a bit, been a tethered, because at some point, he's making tunnels, and they imply they've been to that uh, summer house previously, because he left a thing there. So, I think there's, and he's a little, like, apprehensive his mom like what's with this bitch she looks kind of different so i think that there's something about him i think he may have been one of the kids that got flipped around yeah well that's true because he was doing those weird tunnels and he kept hiding in closets and so on and doing fucking weird shit it makes sense mm-hmm. oh no th- th- that, he's like he's been acting weird for last year hasn't he yeah that's that's probably one of those movies that yeah you could give the second watch knowing exactly what it is and it might be a little bit more interesting the second time around I don't know I guess because like when I'm at, when I'm just watching and just feel like like it's gonna be fucking amazing and it's just like oh it's I don't know it just I don't know it felt kind of like spooky to be spooky not like it it just didn't feel genuine to me like that that, that was how it came across to me was that like. It was trying to be, like, weird and scary, but, like, not natural, if that makes any sense. I don't, I don't know. There's, there's that weird feeling of, like, where it kind of has, like, you can almost see when someone's being kind of phony or when somebody's being kind of real. And it kind of came mm-hmm. across to me as being phony, where, like, Get Out felt, like, real. Like, that felt like a legitimate, like, like here's a legitimate scary movie. This is, like, not made to be scary. It just kind of is scary. Mm-hmm. No, I get what you're but, saying. Uh, I, I, what you're I, saying. I don't know. As I said, as, as you talk up, get out. It makes it, it actually sounds ten times more interesting. Like shit, if you would have told it to me like that, I, like before I saw it, I'd be like, dude, I'm fucking down to see this. Yeah, yeah. Well, this every so often those like you told me to check out. I mean, I already was probably gonna see it again. I was probably gonna buy it to fit the collection. But once upon a time in Hollywood, like yeah, Spencer's right. This movie's better the second time around. Yeah. So, uh, what's your six? What was that, your six? Yeah. So, uh, my number six is Good Boys. I wanted to see that, and that looks like another uh, another super bad parody, but I imagine that does something a little different. Yeah, you could say it's in, like, the super bad kind of category, because it's like, I guess because it's some... Well, super bad's like teenagers. This one's like kids, but, like, it kind of has, like, I guess you would say, like... Similar the unpopular comedy? kids trying to achieve a goal to appease the more popular kids. Yeah, not really in this one as much. I mean, like, I guess you could kind of say that, but this one feels, like, way different. This almost has more, like, that kind of old school, like, almost like you would say, like, the Goonies or, like, Monster Squad without having monsters type kind of feel where it's just like, hey, here's just some kids living life and so on. And it has, like, a simple premise where, like, they are just trying to get to, like, this, um, almost like, I want to say it was, like, a kissing game or something like that. Like, there's, like, oh, there's a kissing party or whatever, and so on. That was, like, their whole goal was to get to that. But along the way, they kind of have misadventures and so on. And there's just some really just legitimate funny moments in it. Like, it's just, like, that super dialed in, like, you know, rated R movie that happens to have kids in it and so on. And them trying to get there, you know, riding their bikes and so on. But it never feels kind of like pandering or anything like that. 
But I think really like the like also the other take home thing like because uh, if I didn't see the movie like six months ago, I'd be like oh, I could like relate some of the jokes and so on. But it's almost been so long, so I just remember it being really good. But like it, the ending in the movie had like a super powerful like like kind of like message in it like i almost feel it's like one of those movies that like you would show to like a 10 year old kid anyways and you know he would like the rated r jokes in it but the ending would be like no this is the part you you take home now billy watch this ending make sure you understand it absorb it in because the whole point of the ending was like you know what us three guys are really actually kind of different people you know what i mean like the only reason we really hung out is because we all live on the same cul-de-sac but uh, we really don't have a whole lot in common. And, like, they kind of learned this from, like, some, like, two college girls that kind of pointed out to them at some point. But it kind of comes back around. And it's not – and as it goes on, it's kind of, like, almost like those ones at the very end. It's it's not that they're not friends anymore, but they kind of realize that, hey, this kid is kind of the sports kid. This kid's kind of the nerd kid. And this kid's kind of, like, the, the, the other nerd, but more, like, not, like, book smart kind of nerd. More, like, kind of, like – the goofy, like, he's just gonna do his weird things and play fucking D&D and all that kind of stuff, and that's who he is. And it's like, they're friends, but they realize, you know what, I'm probably gonna relate more to these guys over here and so on, but that's not saying that we can't still be friends, but really our best friend is somewhere else out there. You know, just because a cul-de-sac chooses us doesn't mean that's all there is. And I thought that was just kind of a neat message that, like, I don't really see, like, in a movie, and it probably should be, like, in, like, a PG movie for kids, but, like, Hell, I'd just show this movie anyways to a 10-year-old anyway. Be like, you're going to learn some life, Billy. <laughs> you're going to be a man. <laughs> but no, overall, though, this movie was really well written. Be a man, you're going to be remember, a good like, boy. The jokes were fucking great. Like, it was like one of those ones, like, the comedy was top-notch in it and so on. And then, as I said, just to top it off, I, the message was so good that, like, I was sold. I was like, this, this is a fantastic film. I want to check that one out. That one was on my list to see. Didn't get a chance to see it. It seems a lot of those movies, like um, there's only three of them, but they're all kind of loosely connected, whether it be Seth Rogen produced it or, you know, there's somebody related to someone else in the other movie. But like that, Good uh, um, good Boys, Superbad, and Booksmart, all three of those movies all have the same theme of like one way or the other. This may be your best friend, and it's not that that's not important right now, but this doesn't mean this is where it all has to stop. And I think uh, uh, Superbad kind of presented that um, idea, but wasn't as like you know emotional about it. it. Was more like jokes first and foremost, but still had a little bit of a message. Where uh, this, which going off what you said, I haven't seen it, but I've heard nothing but good things about it, and Booksmart take that and kind of expand on it, make it a little bit more dramatic. Yeah, well, this one, too, because it's like it's like 10-year-old kids or 8-year-old kids or whatever the heck they are, or I guess they're a little bit older than that, probably like 11 or 12, um, instead of being like teenagers. I think that's sort of the other difference, too, is this one's just like, hey, it's these ones are just straight-up kids. A little bit more innocence to it. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, I think that's almost what makes some of the jokes really funny and so on, but yeah. Super good comedy, number six. Mine's good, boys. What's your number five? My number five is Spider-Man Far From Home. That's a good choice. That was a Spider-Man movie that kind of won me back because I didn't like the last one beforehand, like the Spider-Man Homecoming one. Like, I don't know what it was. I was just like, to me, it was just like, an oh, it wasn't a bad Spider-Man movie, but it was just like an okay Spider-Man movie. If it wasn't for fucking Batman playing the Vulture, I didn't know if I could 
really like it, but the Spider-Man Far From Home was like, oh, that's legitimately really fucking good. I liked it the whole way through. Well, I even liked Homecoming a lot, and I just it was a different type of Spider-Man movie, but I really liked that one. And Far From Home, I think, kind of builds off that. I don't know which one I like more, but at the same time, that's one that is legitimately... I mean, the, there was a lot of comedy in it, but the comedy wasn't bad. And they used Mysterio, which is a character I wanted to see for a while. And I think any, anyone who knows the comics knew that, like, okay, this is a con or a ploy Mysterio was pulling off. But then when you actually see his grand scale theme, like, that's a very clever way to fit this character into the Marvel Universe. And on top of that, it was, like, it was, if it wasn't, if it didn't have a big action scene going on, the back and forth comedy and relationship stuff was genuinely interesting and they found a way not just to be like oh yeah tony uh spoiler let me who doesn't know by this point but tony stark's dead not not just a quick little roll-off thing but more of a dude trying to live up to that and everybody trying to put all this pressure because everyone knows oh it's spider-man but only some people know spider-man's really a kid at the end of the day so everyone just putting all this shit on top of this kid like are oh, you gonna be the next iron man like oh fuck, I, I don't know i don't know you know Mm-hmm. So, in go- going off that, it's one of those things where I feel like just the action and the adventure side of alone. Plus, it's just a different setting for this character. I think something that both um, both uh, Far From Home and Homecoming have done is they put Spider-Man in a little bit of a different setting. Other Spider-Man movies, for instance, he was in high school, but that one was more first and foremost a high school movie, which was different for most Spider-Man films up to that point. And plus, it was more focused, like, in the Queens area. Not New York City itself, but more just Queens itself. And more small town, more friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Where this one's like, okay, we're going from, like, zero to 60 here. Because now we're not just in some small little town. Now we're going across Europe. So you're definitely out of your element. Well, plus, I feel like that gave also, like, the same kind of thing that, like, sometimes I always feel like Batman does well with, too, is when you finally take him out of, like, their main city, and it's like, oh, okay, now we get a completely different location for Spider-Man to go swinging around and have cool action scenes and so on at. And I don't know, I, I just thought that one was overall dialed in. Like, one, Mysterio is one of my favorite villains, so just seeing him and him done well was awesome. Two, it's like the comedy in it when it did have it like it all worked because that's always my problem with the marvel movies is a lot of it's like it's not that some of the jokes aren't funny it's just they don't feel like they fit in a superhero movie they feel like you're watching like almost like one of those like slapstick you know like disaster movies or like you know like epic movie or something like that kind of thing nothing it's like, no, as no, bad like, as that nothing as bad as like epic movie or disaster movie nothing that bad. <laughs> but it's in that ballpark where it's like i feel like no it, say that not even the same ballpark, not even the same fucking game. You could say maybe a Judd Apatow movie, but don't fucking bring it down to like does that like Friedberg and Seltzer? Don't bring it down to that level, dude. It's not the same fucking thing. Well, it's leading that way to like that kind I of slapstick. Pull, I can prove it mathematically. It's not the same fucking thing. Uh, yeah, I'm just saying it's a moment. It's a moment in there that like, a lot of times just feels like so out of place. That you're like, Maybe what? kills the momentum, and, the emotional momentum of sometimes. Yeah, so that's the only thing is this, like, whenever they just have those weird, like almost like wall, fourth wall breaking, like slapstick moments that like the jokes that don't. It's not that the joke's not funny, but like it, it would be fine if it was like you know fucking. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll use my other one. I'll do, if it was Mel Brooks presents the Avengers, it would be fine. 
but it doesn't fit in just if you want straight up Avengers, you know what I mean? Like comic book Avengers or so on. Like I always feel like that's always where it's kind of weird. But uh, the Far From Home, though, I thought was like they finally had that one kind of dialed in. And overall, just yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great Spider-Man movie right there. All right. Uh, what's your number five? Let's see. I got to pull up my old. Oh, my number five is Midway. I wanted to see that. Dude, Midway was so. I mean, even just from the trailers, it was like I was already sold into it. I mean, like one, I like Roland Emmerich a lot. I know people like he's one of those like toss up directors, but I'm like, shit. Most of his movies, I think, are like phenomenal. Like four out of four movies, practically. I like, I'm dialed in. I'm sold. Like fucking Patriot, Independence Day, you know, Stargate. Universal Soldier, like, I don't care. Like, I like Roland Emmerich movies. Even, like, a lot of some of the newer ones I know people don't like near as much. I still enjoy those ones. But uh, I didn't know Roland Emmerich made that. Which one? I didn't know he made Midway. Oh, yeah. he Yeah, so he did Midway. And it was almost like, as far as, like, that kind of, like, war movie goes, it was almost the perfect one. Like, it starts off right Pearl Harbor, just, like, instantaneously. Like, what, what what's your intro action scene? Pearl Harbor. You know how that was the end of the Michael Bay movie? That's the beginning of our <laughs> fucking movie. <laughs> So you have the Pearl Harbor action scene. It's badass and everything like that and so on. Then it's like, fuck it. We're going to go chase those dirty Japs. Let's get in our ships and go after them. You know, and they they go to Battle of Midway out there where, you know, it's that interesting thing because, like, the Japanese army was already, like, so powerful. And you kind of had the U.S., like, all their stuff's all kind of this old rinky-dinky ships and so on that they had over from, like, World War One and so on that they kind of bolstered up and said, oh, okay. Because, uh, you know, nobody's planning on being in World War II. They're like, yeah, that, that's a French problem. That ain't America. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Shit. And you know what? Over on the east side, that's a Chinese problem. That ain't America. And then all of a sudden, fucking <laughs> Japan comes by. But, like... You get that battle in Midway. And what I like about this movie, too, is it does a good job of kind of, like, having back and forth. You know, kind of, I guess you would say, there's the there's that old Midway movie, you know, and get, like, Tora, 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 and so on. But most of those ones I always feel mm-hmm. focused more on the American side than, like, the Japanese side. Where I feel this one has, like, a good back and forth kind of balance to it as well, too. So you, you get to see both sides real strongly, and it's not like you feel like, it's just like, yeah, fuck yeah, America all the way. Even though sometimes it is kind of like that. You're like, yeah, they fucking bomb Pearl Harbor. Fuck those guys. What, they're, they're like fucking vacation? <laughs> well, I'm surprised. But in, in, the long well, run, in the long run, Japan just sits, sits pretty at fucking Hawaii be like, yeah, well, half of Hawaii is Japanese, so fuck you. Who, 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 who well, won now, now it's one of the... <laughs> well, it's weird. I only went to, like, um, Pearl Harbor once, and it was so weird. Like, I mean, I, mean, I, I, I understand now. It's just a huge site why wouldn't you want to you know if you're in if you're there i imagine you'd want to get educated and see it but at the same time i would just like i was i was I, i'm not gonna lie for a second i saw i because there's like you know it's like Hawaii itself is this midpoint between america and japan and there's a lot of japanese tourists all over hawaii so i'm like are you guys here just to get educated or like yeah fuck you that's what you get motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> coming to see oh, uncle jiro's handiwork <laughs> but yeah but no like you you get into the battle of midway there and you get to see all those like big old badass ships and everything and whatnot and just being like this kind of like the last stand being like where japan thought they had it, like fuck we're just gonna wipe out the americans and they're gonna run back home and no 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 fucking america comes in with their planes that aren't nearly as good as japanese planes but that's okay they got america spirit in there they got that heart. They got that. Well, that's one of those things. Like, I remember what was it? It's not that. I mean, 
I was surprised that Letters to Iwo Jima kind of came out. It's like on a wide release in America. You know, just like, oh, it's a war movie about Iwo Jima. Oh, cool. Uh... The subtitles, is that going to keep on happening? We're eventually going to see what the Americans are doing, right? Well, that's that's two theaters down. That's Flags of Our Fathers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Clint Eastwood's uh, directing both of them, so it's okay. How does he talk to the Japanese guys? He's Clint Eastwood. He just gives them a look. He just stares at him sternly and like, we get it. We understand. All right, all right. <laughs> Or like, or a Ken Watanabe just he hit Clint Eastwood and Ken Watanabe lock eyes for a second, then Ken Watanabe just translates to everybody else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's one of those ones. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, like Midway's one of those ones. Like that is like a super fucking dialed in war movie. Like totally, like the action's great, the story's great, filled with all kinds of sweet characters and so on. You know, you get to see all the battleships. I mean, granted, it's a lot of CG this day and age, but whatever. It fucking looks cool. You know, get dogfights. You get to watch the planes come in, dropping bombs and so on like that, and just get a real good history lesson. Just in a nice package, you know what I mean? Because I think this is the nice thing is like I know it's like ever since about like um, Dunkirk, war movies have been doing something kind of nice where like they do that. I call it like they it's almost like you chop off the first act of a movie and you just kind of go from there. And um, I mean, this movie, I guess you could say probably its first act, I guess, is Pearl Harbor. But like it doesn't have like the you know, the classic war movie was always like we're at home and here's the family life and everything is great. And oh, God, they're calling us in. We got to go into war. And, you know, it's like you almost kind of have that build up. Where you're like, you're supposed to love them when they're out in the cornfields running around naked, slapping dicks together. And then next thing you know, they're standing next to each other, you know, fighting it out in like the mud, you know, in the jungle and so on. And I think it's like, there's the part like, there's the, there's the, there's the, uh, there's like the girlfriend, like you come back now, you hear we're getting married when you get back, you know, out in the cornfield or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Like, you and Tommy aren't there slapping dicks again, are you? Like, oh, no. No, Mary. No, we're going to get married, damn it. That's right. Married all the way. And then next thing you know, it just cuts to him like in a cockpit being flung over Germany. But, um, you know, because I was like, like 1917 did the same thing too. Or just like fucking slice that beginning part off. You're in the fucking war. Start fucking running, boy. Deliver that message. So it's like, I don't know, I kind of like that, like in these war movies, it's kind of there, where it's just, it, this always sounds kind of, like, you always sound like a douchey kid when you say this, but it's like, remember being like a kid and you'd almost like fast forward the VHS in a war movie past the beginning, just so you can start getting to the action? It's almost like somebody thought, be like, you know what, little Billy over there at eight years old always fast forwards the VHS, let's just cut that part off, it'll save us money anyways. <laughs> I'll say this, knowing this is a Roland but, uh, Emmerich movie, it kind of... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you go for whatever you're saying. Uh, knowing this is a Roland Emmerich movie, it does kind of fall into one of his two categories. He's either blowing shit up or making a movie about Shakespeare or gay rights. It's like one or the other, you know? Yeah, or there's some type of sci-fi in there too, but that doesn't happen as much anymore. Well, I mean, you know, it, like it, like usually a sci-fi movies involve blowing shit up most of the time. That's true, but um, yeah, number five, Midway, very badass movie, cool story, good history. All right, that's your number five. My number, let me get my list back out. My number four uh, is uh, this one. I'm not sure if you saw this. And I'll be honest, seeing the trailer to this, I didn't think this was going to be anywhere on my list, but surprise me, uh, Klaus, a uh, Netflix movie. Oh, is this the Santa Claus one you told me about? 
Yeah, you know what? If you told me an animated Santa Claus movie would be on my list, I wouldn't have probably believed you. But that is a very, very good movie. Not Because it's just one of those things of like... You know it's a Christmas movie going into it, but it doesn't really start off being a Christmas movie. It kind of builds up to being a Christmas movie. And it does this more grounded down, like, how did Santa Claus legend start and how did it build up from there? And essentially there's this... Um, this guy who's voiced by um, Jason, uh, he's the bad guy. He's the bad guy in Scott Pilgrim. I, f- I forget his name, but um, uh, that you know, you know what I'm talking about. The, the main bad guy. The main bad guy in Scott Pilgrim. He voices the, the main character, Jasper. Okay. Anyway, Jason something. Um, Schwartzberg, Schwinsberg. I don't know something like that. Anyway, he he uh, is in like this postal academy, and the whole thing with the, like the post service there, they treat like the military. It's very serious. But he's like, you know what? His dad is like the head of it, and so he just kind of slacks off, does whatever he wants, doesn't do anything. Like, you know what? I'm tired of fucking coming up with excuses for you. I tried to get you a real job for a while, and he kind of has a little bit of that Emperor's New Groove, uh, David Spade character kind of feel to him. The uh, main character, Jasper. So, so so I'm going to send you to this town in the middle of nowhere, out in the fucking snow, and you're going to learn to be a fucking man. And if you cannot make a, bit, make a functioning post office system there within, like, a year or whatever, then you're cut off from the family trust and you're on your own. So, fuck you. Get, time to grow up. So he gets out there and... It's this town. There's these two families that are constantly feuding and constantly fighting, and that's what this whole town goes off of. And then, you know, hmm. for almost a whole year, that, that, he's trying... Hmm? Hello? Delay. Sorry. No, oh, just keep going. Oh, okay. Um, so, um, for almost a whole year, he's trying to make this thing happen. And the, the writing is very clever. It's actually pretty like quick with a dialogue even though there is some kid jokes here and there it's nothing that's too bad it's actually you know very quick and it's one of those things where trying to build this up he's kind of running low on time and then he's then he finds out oh wait there's a house i missed way out in the woods so he goes out out in the woods and there's this old woodsman this massive old woodsman voiced by jk simmons named klaus and he sees this guy has all these toys and I think something happens. Like he came across like earlier, the ki- kid drew a picture. He happened to have the picture and it was a kid like stuck in the, in this house and Klaus found the picture after he went up there and then came out and he thinks Klaus <coughs> wants to ax murder him more or less. But he says like, I want you to take me so we can give this kid this toy. So they go there in the middle of the night and there's this kind of, you know, comical slapsticky thing where he has to go through to get to get the toy. But then after that, the kid's like, oh, well, um, I can you send a letter to Mr. Klaus? Because that way I want to, if I get if I get a letter to him, then he gives me a toy, right? It's so like, um, yeah. So he kind of makes a little bit of the scheme to get kids to give him letters because he has to make a certain quota to get out of there. So he's getting all these kids to give letters. Like, oh, hey, man, you, the, 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 the good, good, uh, the, the word about what you're doing is spreading and people really like it. So really help if you go give these kids some more toys and they'll send more letters. And, you know, he doesn't really know that he has ulterior motives. But then out of that, it has this whole moral of, you know, you do one good thing for someone, someone else do another good thing. Um, one, what was it? Um, 
one good act of kindness will spark another. So then the town slowly starts to get better because they get the idea of like chores and whatnot. And usually when they're going out and doing all this house hopping and Christmas shit, after a while, out of coincidences, certain things happen. Like, oh, that's how they got reindeer. Oh, that's why he goes down the chimney. Oh, that's the milk and cookies thing coming from. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, that, that one sounds like a real good movie. And I just, yeah, I, I never got around to seeing it. Mostly, it sounds so weird. I don't know what it is. Like, when movies are in theaters, like, I have such a higher chance of seeing it that, like, if they're on Netflix, it always feels like, oh, okay, I'll... I don't know what it is. Like, it's just, like, I'm just... I'm never good about watching stuff on Netflix. It has to be some, like, motley crew for me to, like, really be like, oh, okay, I have to watch this, I, you know? I, I don't know why that is. You would think it'd be the, the other way around. I'd be like, oh, it's so easy to watch on Netflix, but it's always, like... Like, so many things on Netflix I never get around to seeing. And that one sounded well, very interesting. So many things about this movie. It's like, well, first off, it looks like it might be 3D. But the thing is, it's actually 2D. And they use a weird 3D kind of uh, texture and shading thing over it. So it's kind of hard to tell. Is this 2D or 3D? But it's actually the... well, And, and I've said this when we first started talking about it, when I talked When I mentioned it. Like, oh, folks, check this movie out. Like, like you know, like maybe 10 or 15 episodes ago. Um... It, it actually the biggest selling point for the movie for me, even though the, the the writing's pretty good, it has a good story, is the art style. The art style is so good, and it's kind of like the animation kind of steals the show. Like just a lot of the small things that kind of happen throughout of just like just you can kind of get, get across of each character's personality just through small little animations and distinctions about them. And something I forgot to mention, as they're doing all this, you know, goodwill towards men stuff and trying to build up to the Santa Claus story and myth, um, the two families that are always feuding, making the whole town go against each other, decide to join forces and try and stop him. But there's this one scene that happens earlier in the movie that just kind of, like, got that I thought was genuinely pretty funny. And for a while, because, you know, he's trying to build up, when it happens, like, they kind of treat him... When he's starting to get the, the the letters and the toys out to the kids, they kind of almost trade like a drug trade. He's like, he's in the shadows, like, hey kids, you want some toys, right? You know, like, and they start playing like the heavies, how do you like me now kind of thing to it. So it has this whole like, there's this moment mm -hmm. period where it has kind of like this montage, which feels like it's out of like a rise to power drug movie for a second. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. So, um, no, like something out of like America, like out of American Gangster or Scarface, possibly. Yeah, no, that that one does sound like a fun, interesting movie, and sounds like plus once again, just like Dragon Ball Z, you know, you just don't get enough two D in life. Yeah, this movie was they were trying to get the theaters, they're just having trouble selling it, and Netflix was the last place to go. I'm like, all right, we'll take it. Why not? This yeah, is a I think that's just kind project. of project because he he's a dude that worked for Disney and a couple other. He did a he he worked on a couple other movies, but this is the one where he saw it the whole way through. Like, no, this is my passion project. I want to make this, and finally got it made and couldn't sell it, so he took it to Netflix, and now he's nominated for best animated picture. So good for him. Yeah, it's just it's one of those ones where it's like, yeah, it's that kind of weird thing where it's like everybody wants to kind of get the theaters, and then they can't get can't get, but like you always take it to Netflix, and then it's like, well, yeah, because it costs. Thirty million dollars less to do that. You don't. You, you literally don't have to advertise a movie by that point. But um. But yeah, that that sounds like an interesting one to check out. So, what was that? Your number four. That was my four. So, 
My number four was Zombieland 2. I wanted to see that, but didn't get a chance to. Dude, that movie was, it was like about the perfect sequel you could possibly have. Because, you know, a lot of times, ten years later, after a movie kind of, that, that, like, that's like a long time period sometimes, and certain movies just sometimes don't always, like, age, you know. We've, we've all seen those kind of sequels before, where it's just like, the magic just kind of isn't there nearly anymore, or, you know, you lose, like, a certain key member, or so, something happens. Well, this one, you know, it comes back with the four main characters, and I guess it's the upside since it's, you know, a zombie world. It's not like you got that many main characters anyways. But, um, like, the magic is so still dialed in there. There's never, like, you know, you come back and you have – because it almost feels like they might have this thing where, like, Jesse Eisenberg and uh, – what's her name? Um, Emma Stone, like, they got a relationship going. You almost kind of feel like, is it going to have that – classic terrible like sequel kind of thing where like they were you know they the best of couples in number one and then number two oh shit it's falling apart like i think of like things like fucking transformers 2 or like the second zorro antonio banderas movie you know there's so many of those movies and it's like i fucking hate that kind of storyline where it's like oh you know like just because like you know they, they thought it was love the life and now everything's just not work that's so fucking annoying like that's one of those mini ones where it's like when i see that in a movie i'm always like fuck that storyline like it's this always one a bad doesn't have trip. it it is it's terrible and it's like fuck it it's just stupid i like i always whenever i see a movie it does that i'm like god could you guys not think of anything better like it's like that's just it, to me i feel like that never works it never works not saying that your movie can't still be decent but that's always going to be a hindrance on your film where this movie, it's like, yeah, like, like they have some problems, but it never has that like that same feel. It has a completely like, oh, you know, they're, they're all kind of like it all kind of works out and they're cool with it, and they're not like they're arguing or fighting back and forth, and someone like that. And then it kind of th- you know throws in something that the little girl or whatever she's kind of grown up now, and she's like, well, now I want somebody, you know. I mean, Emma Stone's got Jesse Eisenberg, which you know that's not the biggest <laughs> catch, but you know whatever. And then you know, um, can't be picky during the apocalypse. You got fuck it. You can't be picky there and so on. And they're like living in the White House and so on like that. And as it kind of goes on, they even find like a group of like these pretty much like hippie people who don't believe in violence, which kind of makes for like sort of comedy, but it seems like fucking retarded. Like when you're in, you know, the zombie area, you're like, you're not going to shoot somebody like, no, we're anti-guns and everything like that. And of course she gets kind of sucked in by like some guitar playing fucking douchebag, you know, to this like commune. So they got to go and save her there. But, uh, the whole way through, it's like, yeah, it's got great moments in it. The comedy is awesome. It's got even, like, some Metallica songs playing there. Like, it never feels pandering. It, it really is, like, one of the most dialed-in sequels I ever saw. Like, I literally was like, shit, walked out of that movie. I'm like, that's like a four out of four sequel. Like, just as good as the first one. Like, I think I bought it yesterday because it came out the same thing as Jay and Silent Bob. And I was like, I looked at it. It's like, on the, on the bottom of the cover, it just says, like, Literally just as good as the first one. I'm like, oh, that's kind of how I felt. That's like when a quote in a box actually is accurate. <laughs> well, that's definitely one I wanted to check out. I just think around it. I'll be, I'll be honest. I'm really tired of zombie shit. Zombie shit went from being one of those, dude, let's make a zombie movie. Or let's make a zombie script. Or, let's make a zombie comic. It's one of those things like, I'm fucking done with zombies. And there's like, there's literally one that, like, called, that came out called The Dead Don't Die. Starred Kylo Ren. Uh, Bill Murray. Iggy Pop and some other people and I'm like yeah you know I should but I don't care I don't care but then seeing Zombieland 2 I was like well you know what maybe Zombieland 2 is th- maybe I can make room for that one I can possibly make room for that 
Yeah, because that was weird. Like the Bill Murray one, I remember like that one. Like I remember, I, was, I just saw the trailer for him. Like that movie doesn't even look fucking good in the trailer. Like I, and that's the thing. It's, it's the weirdest thing is because like you know zombies. Like you know in like the late nineties, two thousands, like zombies were like one of the coolest things for me. And then like pretty much The Walking Dead pretty much ruined zombies. If at the end of the day, I mean, I guess you could say they were almost getting ruined kind of before that, but. Like, I feel like The Walking Dead is the one that sealed in the the nail where it's like, oh, zombies are kind of annoying and stuff like that. But there's still certain classics that, you know, it's like if, you know, Resident Evil can always do zombies and that's always fine. You know, there's certain brands that's totally fine. And Zombieland's actually even one of those ones. Like, when you think about, like, when Zombieland 1 came out. That felt like that was like the tail end of the zombie popularity. Like, it like when that movie kind of came out, you're like, oh yeah, zombies are gonna be dead. Like, people aren't gonna watch zombie movies in like two more years. You know what I mean? Like that, they're gonna be so burnt out by this point. And then lo and behold, of course, that was like when the the 2000s of like the Walking Dead like kind of fan bases came out, and that that to me just felt like it. That brought in like, oh, here's all the people that fucking would have laughed at you for liking zombies in 2001. And now these people think that zombies is the greatest thing ever. Fuck those people. But Zombieland's one well, of those I'm ones just gonna... that's like... <laughs> they, they, you know, Zombieland's the one I feel like, that's a classic. They got it dialed in. And I think it's kind of a comedy, too, at the same time. Like, it sort of works out. You got fucking Woody Harrelson. Who doesn't fucking like Woody Harrelson in there? But, um, no, that one still kind of, like, says, like, you know what? That That's fine. If there's one zombie movie you're going to watch in, like, the last couple of years, that's one to go with. I'll say this, it was kind of like, I think zombie shit was, two things were done with me for zombie shit. Um, When somebody I saw, who I know does not like zombie shit, had like one of those like face, like one of those a little, um, uh, God, what do you, like kind of an Instagram face filter thing where it makes you look like a zombie or whatever. When somebody who I know does not like zombie shit had that. And then... When Sonora started doing the zombie walk. And I just thought, okay, it's a party where people just hang out and they're dressed like zombies. It's kind of like a Halloween thing. Like, oh no, they all literally walk down the street like zombies. I'm like, oh, that's... Oh. Yeah, no, I'm done, done. I see little kids dressed like zombies and all that with their parents. Like, I, I'm just... No, uh, no, no, no. I'm just kind of done with zombie shit. And, I, and the thing about Dead Don't Die, that Dead Don't Die movie... If that came out, like, in 2010, I know I would have been all over, like, Bill Murray and Iggy Pop, zombie movie, ah! you know? But then, like, I'm just, I'm fucking done. I'm fucking done with it. But I would be willing to give uh, um, Zombieland 2 a chance, though. So, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's one of those ones. Like, that. that's one of the ones, a few. It's it's not like the, yeah, fucking zombie walks guy it feels like every other cheap like it feels like every other cheap sci-fi or netflix shows a zombie show too yeah it's just like i I felt like you know what the zombie walks really did they they did the thing where like it almost reminds me of like you know like when you when you have something that's so cool and it's only like you and your friends are really into it and like everybody else thinks you're fucking weird for being into it you're like almost kind of like a metal band or something like that you know, and then all of a sudden, it's like you go to the street, and it's just like you see like the entire fucking neighborhood. It's like, yeah, we love this band. It's just like the oldest, fattest fucks just walking down the street with like that T-shirt <laughs> on, you know, and they like hit fucking like, you know, five-year-old nephew. And it's like, yeah, it's good for the kids, too. And it's like it's a family thing. And it's just like it ruins like your like fucking cool, like fucking <laughs> cult club that you had. 
Like, that's pretty much what the zombie walks did. It's like, because that was like what zombies used to be, is they used to be the cool, cult, like, fucking weird, dark, you know, kid, you know, that kind of like era. And then it's like, now it's just like, oh, it's a happy, you know, yeah, look at me. I just blew my head off with a shotgun. Oh, I'm going to go back to work at the office. You know, it's just like, oh, fucking bullshit. But whatever. Fucking, what's your number three? My number three is. Let's see here. My number three, this is going to start to speed up a little bit, Art of Self-Defense. Love that movie. Ooh, you had that, we already covered you had that. that movie really high up on there. I did, because I've never seen a, a, I never really seen like a theatrical movie kind of have that type of like surrealist, kind of like quasi-adult adult swim type humor thing. Just some of the small things in that movie, kind of like, I think the guy's name was Casey or something like that. Like, hi, I'm calling for uh, Casey Sullivan or something, like... Oh, this is Casey Sullivan. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I, I thought I was. Oh, you're a woman. It's a woman sounding name. Anyway, like just like things like that. You know, just like people <laughs> say really rude shit, just as if it's not a big big deal. <laughs> sorry, I'm dying here. Yeah. No. Well, that is the truth. That movie is definitely way you know different than like anything else and i think that's why i like it so much is it's it's just it's not like any other movie i wish that movie was actually a, a theatrical like a, a worldwide release though because i would have loved to see that in theaters same thing here you know because it was like it just kind of like came out to small theaters and then kind of straight to dvd but um but god yeah like it is one of those ones it's so weird and different it's like well it's, one's like it's not a movie i can imagine sitting down and watching it like all the time but just one of those ones like i'll always think about that movie for the rest of the time i know for a fact well, I always kind of think, and I won't stay on this movie too long because we talked about it, but I always kind of think, like, you kind of have sometimes those weird jokes, and then you just kind of, like, how do I put it? Like, weird jokes that you might see, like, in something animated, and then it just kind of carries on, no big deal. But this one's in live action, and for some reason, in live action, it just kind of... It's way more effective, but at the same... Not way more effective. Maybe not way more effective, but it's just as effective, but you're just not used to seeing it in live action. Just the way they kind of talk and move. You, you, don't, you know what I'm saying? I'm not sure if I'm getting this across just right. Because um, they no, do I have this weird kind of surrealist thing. Like, most movies, you'd be thinking... You wouldn't do that in real life. In real life, you would go to a jail. you get arrested. But in this movie, it's just like... I killed him. Why? I didn't like him. Okay, well, you know, not a big deal. Um, I guess this is your place now. All right, cool. You know, like, that kind of, like, I don't know, just something about that just stands out to me. And I find that, you know, funny. I want to see more movies do that, but not too often because I don't want it to get, like, ruined or become a new trend, you know? <laughs> you don't want to be like zombies. Yeah, exactly. But, um, okay, we'll go into my number three. This makes it quick. My, my number three is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, that one was pretty high up for you too. All right. Uh, yeah. Well, that that, that, that one I realized I like. No, that one's both ones like we've we've talked about. It feels like I guess extensive because we even had like the episode and so on on it and so on and what have you. But um, but no, yeah, that one to me is just like it's solid all the way through. I think it's like a four out of four. Like I I enjoy it. Like it's it's the perfect hangout movie, like Jackie Brown and. I, I like it all the way around. Plus, you get to you get to watch Bruce Lee fight Brad Pitt. I mean, I know it's not exactly Bruce Lee, but damn, <laughs> does that guy play a good Bruce Lee? And Ryu. Yeah, exactly. 
right. Well, my number two is uh, Jojo Rabbit. Oh, is that the 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 little like Hitler youth movie? Yeah, it's fun. It's done by uh, Takuatiti, and essentially, it's this movie about. Um, it kind of goes in the thing that you've said a few times. That you've said like, you know what? I know that Nazis and Nazism is bad. But there were those people back then just going through their job or they didn't know better at the time. And this movie kind of go is kind of tackles that. It kind of goes out of the way and say, like, this little kid, he's not a bad kid. He just, he, he was just a product of his environment. And he's this little kid who's socially awkward. He's really weird. Hitler is his imaginary friend. He has this blind fanaticism. And it kind of says, like, you know what? Essentially, at the end of the day, even though this movie's really funny... At the end of the day, it says, like, kids don't need to be getting roped up in politics and war. Just be a fucking kid. And um, kind of says, you know, it kind of, you see this story about this little Hitler youth kid who is socially awkward, who is really afraid, who is really timid. But at the same time, Hitler is, like, biggest fan. <laughs> and you see, you find out that, you know, his mom is hiding a Jewish girl. And his mom is totally pro, like, anti-Nazi. Totally anti-Nazi all the way. But she kind of keeps that hidden from him. And out of that, she's hiding this Jewish girl in the place. And he kind of starts to become friends with her. First, he's all like, "What? Like, where are your horns? You know, all this stuff that, you know, all this, all this propaganda type shit. And it has some of that kind of more, like, once again, kind of surrealist, kind of like humor that you might see in like a Takabatiti film or even something kind of like something like art of self-defense. Like there's a part where uh, like because everybody in the movie just speaks with a bad accent. There's there's some dark moments in there, but there's still like I think this part was meant to be dark. But at the same time, kind of funny at the scene. Like it's like at the end of the movie when everything's going to shit. And their town's getting attacked by Americans. You see, like, um, Rebel Wilson's character, like, putting, like a, like, a suicide vest on a kid. Like, okay, okay, Hans, go give that American boy a hug! And just, like, runs off screen. Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, so you know it's, like, <laughs> fucked up shit like that, but at the same time. And you, there, there is a point where the movie reaches a certain level where it does like here's the harsh reality of war i bet you didn't see this coming for how lighthearted the first part of this movie was because it is very kind of cartoonish in the way it presents things um sam rockwell fucking steals the show because he is a uh ss officer who has had a long outstanding military career but he doesn't he's not a fan of hitler he's not a fan of the current administration and he has one eye by this point so he's kind of vindictive and he's like all right what am i doing you know whatever and there's a few points where it kind of gets across that, like he doesn't like what he's doing he's just doing it because he has to do it mm -hmm. so it's one of these things where it's um you know i think at this point in time i think this is kind of like a movie that that's really you know Kind of, I'm not going to say it, it generates sympathy for Nazis, not at all, because I heard, I heard somebody like, this movie's a Nazi sympathist movie. He's like, no, it's not. You didn't see the fucking movie, clearly, or you didn't, you didn't get it. But it's, it's a movie that is genuinely funny and genuinely pretty heartfelt, and it kind of gets heavy and dark in moments where you, you know it's there, because you know what the subject matter is, but it comes in in ways you don't really expect. Huh, interesting. Yeah, this was once, I remember there was like, they played like one trailer for it once, so then the movie kind of just disappeared and then came straight out on DVD like way later on. 
And it was just like, I, I just never got around to ever seeing it because it just kind of like came and went real fast. But it looked kind of interesting. Like, I remember in the trailer, it was like, it was a mixture. It was like, I was kind of interested, but it also looked kind of retarded at the same time. Because like, I, it was like, it had, they were selling it kind of weird because they were selling it kind of like, oh, it's got some goofy humor in it too. Like, and I was like, what? Is this a war movie or is this like a slapstick like comedy? And I, I remember that was what kind of threw me off a little bit. It's quasi slapsticky, but at the same time, it doesn't shy away. It, it's pretty well made. It's kind of a little bit more artsy in some ways. It doesn't shy mm. away from having a heavy-handed moment. And at the same time, the further the movie goes, not saying it loses all sense of humor, but the further it goes, it starts to be like, we're not having as much fun as we did when we first started because when it first starts, it's all like this boy who's super optimistic and super like, yeah, I'm going to be part of the club, you know? And then you go, like, oh, here's what that club's really all about. And it's like yeah, I said so earlier, it's imaginary. Learns. Yeah, his imaginary friend is Hitler. And it's just some of the things he does, like the first part when this, when Hitler's first brought in, he's kind of presented as comic relief. Like, oh, hey, you know, kind of telling him everything he wants to hear, but at the same time, bad advice. And then as it goes on, he becomes this overarching bully yelling at him, you know, telling him to get his shit together. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd like to see that one at some point. It sounds like, yeah, it just sounds like something a little bit different. No, it's pretty good. I really liked it. Well, if that's your number two, my number two is Battle Angel Alita. And I just kind of realized that Robert Rodriguez outbeat Quentin Tarantino on my list. Well, I know that he, he Robert Rodriguez, at least when, back when we were in high school, Robert Rodriguez was more your guy. Yeah, well, he always was. It just it seems like the last, like, ten years, he just doesn't make, he hasn't really made a whole lot. So I feel like it's kind of like, uh, I guess I need somebody else to root for now because he, he's just not making things like he used to. But um, but this is a perfect example of like, oh, fuck, Robert Rodriguez on all fucking cylinders fired off. As well as you got James Cameron sitting there being like, well, I ain't going to fucking direct, but I'll produce, you know. I'll, I'll fucking drive, I'll, I'll drive the little fucking like submarine and you, you make the movie. Um, but uh, this is a perfect example of like, I thought this is like, you know, like, because they've been making comic book movies. But now they've just started making manga and anime movies. And... You know, they. This is kind of like you know, I don't know, like maybe like four or five of live action. Man, there's some Japanese ones or so. I'm thinking like the big ones have kind of come out in theaters and so on. I feel Battle Angel Alita's where they've really got that fucking just dialed in. You know, they just take from like the first couple graphic novels or books or whatever you want to call them, and it just feels like they captured the whole characters, captured the world. I mean, like really, like everything is there. You got um, what's his name from um from uh, Inglorious Bastards is playing Ido, pretty much like the main scientist guy that puts Alita back together and so on. Uh, what, what, what the heck's that guy's name? I love that guy. He, he's in Christoph 007. Waltz. He's playing... Yeah, Christoph Waltz. Yeah, so you got him in there and so on. And yeah, they just got the whole world and all the characters are in there. Everybody's kind of there, the whole storyline and whatnot. Like, it's super accurate. Like, they don't really change anything. Everything kind of works. I mean, really the only, like, my only, like, most minor complaint is the movie's PG-13, and I get it, it kind of works that way, but I kind of wish it was rated R, because, you know, you, you read the manga or you watch the anime, and it is, like, super gory violent, and it's just missing just that little bit of that. Now, granted, I know everybody's mostly kind of a robot, so sometimes it's kind of like, well, robots don't have real feelings, so it's okay if you tear their <laughs> arm off. Only thing I know but, about um, Battle of Lean... And that's about my oh, only thing. 
Oh, I so that, that's that's about like if, if that's my only complaint is that I wish there was a rated R or I wish there was like just an R cut. Like, but I mean, like, I kind of get it because it's like you have like I think sometimes like especially when you're trying to sell a movie in the U.S. when you got like a 15 year old kind of 16 year old character in there, it's kind of hard to be like, oh yeah, by the way, this movie's gonna be super gory and violent. You know what I mean? Like, but we want to try to sell it to everybody. Yeah, well, I mean, I never. The only thing I've ever known about Battle Little Angel, the only thing I've ever seen. I know the manga's big, and I think it's still going on. But um, the only thing I've ever seen is uh, the OVA, and that ends pretty early on in the um, series arc. I know that, but at the same time, I was interested in seeing this movie. It just really jumped out to me. And here's the thing about it: it was sad because it's one of those movies. I started to have like bad like oh man i really hope this movie turns out being good because i was hearing like it kept on getting postponed it got postponed like three times which is very unlikely for a robert rodriguez movie his movies always come out like at this time but it got postponed three times like oh shit i hope this (laughs) that's not a good sign but then it came out and people were like oh no this movie's actually very underrated this is a movie that um i heard some people criticizing i wish there was more of this more of that but overall, this movie's way better than people are giving it credit for. And um, I didn't see it, but that's just what I heard. And I it was definitely on my list of things I wanted to see before the year was up. Yeah, this is one of those ones. Like, I saw it twice in theaters. Like, I liked it a lot. It was one of those ones, like, it was super fucking good. And, yeah, it's just one of those ones. As far as, like, an adaptation goes, it's so accurate, too. It's, like, one of those things where you're like i wish you almost kind of watch and go i wish more movies would kind of do this you know and i mean like it kind of might combine certain things and you know make it kind of fit more into a movie and so on but um it's like that ova one that covers kind of like a very similar like range that this story kind of goes with too this one this one's kind of like a little bit longer than the ova but like it's that same first couple books like in a sense the first two books with a little bit of number three in there but um well yeah hopefully that spoiling good Oh yeah, you go ahead. What are you gonna say? Sorry, man, the delay here. Um, the uh, without spoiling too much, does it go into the thing where the kid actually, where the guy, like, doesn't realize he gets fucked up and becomes a robot at some point? Uh it's got a it's got a bit of that kind of going in there. Like, you you'll you'll see it whenever you when you do. But um, it it does have that. Because I'm watching bit in that, there. I'm like, man, if they it, choose to do this, because we're watching it, like if they choose to do this in the movie, that's gonna be fucking crazy. Yeah, the only the only thing is it just yeah, it doesn't have like nearly that dark, violent feel that like the book and like the movie kind of or the OVA one sort of have. Like that, that's about the only thing. So it would be kind of cool just to see just those like super like violent, gory like finishers and so on. But um. Yeah, hopefully they, they do make a sequel. I mean, I know that's kind of like, you know, it's one of the movies that kind of... Still, I think those anime movies are kind of hard. Unless it's fucking Dragon Ball Z Brawly. Like, it's hard to sell these live-action anime movies, I think, still. I just don't think there's just a big enough audience for it yet. But uh, it, this Alita does have, like, this, like, rabid fan basis for this movie. Like, there is these people I just... I don't... I somehow... I made a comment once to Alita, like Alita about like how much I liked the movie, and all of a sudden it was like fucking people just kind of came in and be like, "Join the Alita army. You you are one now." It's like, oh, what the fuck is this shit? Oh, one God. of us, one of us, one of us. I mean, don't get me wrong, fuck. It's number two on my fucking list. I like Alita that much, and um, like the graphic novels, because to me, like the, the re- reason I knew about Alita from back in the day is 
Remember when you'd have, like, your Viz comics of, like, you know, I didn't matter what it was, like, Dragon Ball Z or Pokemon or something like that? They always had fucking a picture of, like, Alita in the back, and you're like, what the fuck is this stuff? There was just a couple of those ones. It was, like, Alita, like, Romna One Half, and, like, Ghost in the Shell. Those was, like, the three things I just remember always seeing, like, what is this? I, I gotta know. Maybe Evangelion. Yeah, maybe Evangelion, but, like, yeah, because I think Alita's kind of those ones, like, it sort of dipped down, like, you know, it's kind of like a very 90s thing, and then, you know... I think there is always some kind of book coming out, but it's not like, I think, technically, like, when when they made this sort of movie, it's almost kind of a weird one, because you're like, <laughs> oh, you're making an anime that, like, you know, yeah, there's a person, there's people who like this one, but it is kind of like, oh, that's kind of weird, it's kind of like almost like 20 years a little bit late, but it still totally works. I know this is one that James Cameron was trying to make since the 90s, like, technology's not there yet, and by the time that he was kind of, I think he was too busy with avatars and like, well, you know, I'll just produce it. Robert, you make it. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much what happened. It has really good special features on it where it is kind of like James Cameron time about like, yeah, somebody gave me a book once and it was fucking in Japanese and I was fucking pissed. But uh, I looked at it and I was like, Oh, this is pretty badass." <laughs> and then I started <laughs> reading them all. Makes James mad. It's when he can't read what's in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> that. I'm like, but, you um, read it to yeah, me. It's just like that kind of like the whole process of kind of getting it and trying to make it and so on. So very neat stuff. But uh, yeah, Battle Angel Alita, that's my number two. Okay, my number one. We can make this one quick, and we already talked about this one a lot. My number one is Avengers Endgame, and that might sound uh, a little kind of basic throwing that one on there. But at the end of the day, if I'm being 100% honest with myself, um, uh, no movie has really pulled that off before, has built that many movies up to something that big and had it be very satisfying and fulfilling. At the same time, still having it being very, like, having kind of like an emotional emotional center to it. And at the same time, just like, you know, that movie is three hours long and it goes by quickly. And God, I can, I feel like I can rewatch that movie a lot and... Maybe it's not the best, I mean, it's a very well-made movie, but maybe it's not, like, the most artistic movie out there, but fuck, it's a really damn good movie, and I can't think of a movie that had me more, and it wasn't like I wasn't, um, not that I wasn't looking forward to the movie when to go to see it, I figured I'd like it, but I liked it so much more than I thought I would, and, you know, it's just one of those movies that just kind of checked off all the boxes and I really can't think of anything wrong. There's maybe things that kind of stood out to me when I first walked out of the theater. Like, uh, Fat Thor got a little old after a while, but then watching the movie again, I'm like, you know what, I totally get why they did Fat Thor. And watching it a second time around, Fat Thor, even though he's kind of funny, it's more of like, kind of sad when you look at it and you kind of get why they kind of lean more on that they present it as a joke then it becomes more of a serious thing as it goes on so yeah avengers endgame is my number one just because i think it checks all those boxes and does it all very well well and i always think too when it comes down to like the best you know movie for like anyone's list i always think at the end of the day the fun factor and, and rewatchability factor is always the one i think that it kind of outweighs everything else you know what i mean like there could be a movie that maybe is like artistically put together better or maybe more well done or better written but whatever movie you're gonna slap into your blu-ray player over and over again that's the movie i feel that like no matter what is like the choice you know mm -hmm. but uh going to my number one 
My number one's going to be a very, very fucking, like, controversial choice, but to me, it always this is. is one of those... Huh? It always is, usually. Oh, I th- it mostly always is, but, like, this one's definitely one that's going to fucking, like, roll some heads. But, uh, I don't know, as well as movies where, like, I didn't think anything of it. This was just literally like, oh, another one of these movies is coming out? Sure, let's go fucking see it. You know why? Because it's fucking Thursday and I don't got anything better to do at nighttime. Like, and then it just turned out to be like, it was like, oh, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. This is the whole way through. It's fucking amazing. Like, the action's fantastic. The story's great. They fit in all kinds of characters and modes and so on. And then they got fucking... You know, great, like, the comedy actually works. There's never, like, a stupid joke in there or anything like that. It's just all perfect the whole way through. And that movie was the new Hellboy. That new Hellboy was so fucking good. You know what? Um, I didn't finish it yet. I started it, and I liked what I saw, but then I just I didn't have a chance to finish it just yet. I'm about halfway through it, and um, I'll just get my half-assed part of it done so I didn't even see the whole movie yet. But, um... It, it, I first off, I didn't finish it, so I can't throw it on my list. Secondly, um, I don't know if it would make my list, but I think people are being a little too harsh on it. I know there is a little bit of a campiness to it, like, but at the same time, I think Hellboy is meant to be a little campy because it is kind of like 1940s, 50s, like Indiana Jones style movie serials, Buck Rogers with H.B. Lovecraft and 50s mad scientist shit. So, and, and old, and old fantasy. So, um, I was just surprised, not that I know Hellboy that well, but I was surprised to see Lobster Johnson in there for a second. Like, oh shit, that's a lot, and I I don't really know Hellboy that well, but I know of that character. I'm like, they took their time to throw in Lobster Johnson? Okay, alright. Well, that's the thing too, it's like, I really don't really know a whole lot about Hellboy other than like the movies, but like, it's like, I kind of have like more like an idea of like what Hellboy sort of always has been and so on, and it's just that, yeah, it's that classic adventure style like you know going out and whatnot but then you got this demon guy who almost gives it sort of this kind of heavy metal almost like a lobo kind of feel to it like that 80s 90s heavy metal fucking dude you know going out you know fixing the world's problems of like ancient days and so on but like yeah like it's one of those movies like like when i because i didn't when i watched it in theaters nobody you know had was saying anything about it yet and then all of a sudden people are talking crap i'm like and i couldn't figure it out because i'm like dude this entire movie is fucking perfect. Like, I mean, like, literally perfect. It's got, you know, fucking the action throughout it. And then, like, not only that, it's like, it's shot so well. There's, like, the part where he's battling the fucking giants, and it's, like, one continuous take. I mean, granted, I know it's, like, CG, so it's not, like, the same as, like, other stuff. But still, it looks so fucking cool. And then, like, the other thing, too, because this is sort of what was kind of I always felt was missing in the first two Hellboy movies, is though those movies are good... They're kind of like those solid, like, they're, they're good movies. There's nothing really amazing about them, but they're just a, a solid, good film. They're not like one of those ones where it's like a dark night or something where you're like, oh, fuck, this is something perfect. I always felt like those movies, though, by being PG-13, like, I always felt that was the biggest thing that they're kind of missing. It's kind of like one of those ones, like, having this new Hellboy be rated R and having the brutalness in it and the super violence is just... That makes up for so much. It's like, well, it's once, once again, it's like the Bal Angel Alita. Like, who knows how much more, if you would have put some just brutal violence in there, would have really topped that film off. Now, that one could kind of almost get a little bit more away of it, but I think the Hellboy needs that more than anything else. And then I think this this new guy playing Hellboy is literally just as good. I think some people just did that thing where they're just like, um, they just literally like, not saying Hellboy, not my Hellboy. Like, they just did that kind of thing. Like, did you watch the movie? No! 
And it's just like, well, yeah, with that fucking attitude. Uh, do you know who that uh, guy is? No, I have no idea who he is. I've never really seen him before in anything else. Uh, he, <laughs> he's, um, I'm not sure how much of the show you saw. He's that washed up sheriff from Stranger Things. And he's also playing uh, the Red Guardian in the Black Widow movie. Oh, okay. Russian Captain okay, America. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of know, yeah, from like the trailer and so on. Well, that's kind of cool. Well, I, I thought that guy was fucking so, so dialed in as fucking Hellboy. Like, I was sold the whole way through. I thought he, he like nailed it. And this movie just like, it, to me, it felt like it was it was cramming in all kinds of lore. Like, not like in a, like in like, in, like you're kind of like overwhelmed, but like a lot that, it, you know, where like some movies do the thing where like, you know, I got to take like the old fashioned superhero movie where you have. One villain, one hero, maybe a third type character who's not really of any importance, but that's all the movie is. Where this movie just felt like, oh, there's just so much stuff fucking going on in just one singular film. And it also does the thing, too, where it sort of, like, jumps in and, like, you already know who Hellboy is. It's not trying to give you an origin story. Like, I don't know. I just thought, as far as a comic book movie goes, you really couldn't get it, like, better made than this fucking Hellboy. I do not know what anybody's really bitching about in this movie. Unless, I mean, there might be, like, some super Hellboy, like, person who's read every comic and be like, ah, oh, they're off on this part over here, or some, you know, one of those kind of people. I don't know. I'm, I'm going in, like, a Guardians of the Galaxy kind of thing, even though I feel like I have more of a knowledge of Hellboy than Guardians, you know, at first, but... I don't know. I'll, like, as far as a movie goes, I love it. Even, like, I just really rewatched it because I wanted to watch it one more time. I'm like, well, maybe it's just, like, is this one of these movies where it's just, like, I was just really blown away with it the first couple times? Where it's, like, no, watching it again, it's, like, it's super fucking good from start to finish. It's, like, out of all these movies this year, this is the one that I would definitely watch, you know, over and over and stuff. And I think also, too, it's, like, I went into the theater just kind of expecting to be, like, eh, it'll be another Hellboy. It'll be fun. And, you know, that'll probably be about the ending takeaway. And then it was just like, oh, shit, this movie's, like, super dialed in, you know? And I, I think that was the thing, too. It's like, it's like, when I tell people I like this movie more than Avengers Endgame, it, like, throws them the fuck off. Like, I just, like, told them <laughs> that, like, I like fucking the devil, like, way more than, like, you know, Jesus or something while I'm in, like, in a church. But um, it is, like, one of those ones that's, like, the thing is, is like, I knew Ed Endgame was going to be good. Like, you know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, you knew that was going to be good. Like, the Hellboy I had... I, I never saw a trailer for it. I never saw anything. I just knew there was a Hellboy movie coming out, and that was it. So I was going in blind. You know, it's just like, it's not like, you know, Hellboy's one was more felt like, yeah, it's another comic book movie. Might as well go see it, you know what I mean? But it wasn't like it was like my kind of comic book. Like, there was like something like, oh man, I fucking read every single book and everything. It's like a character that I've always wanted to, but you know how it is. There's so many comics, only enough time in the day to read as many as you can. And I think that also, like, just kind of tops off because you go in, you're like, holy fuck, this movie's good. Yeah, I, I still got to finish it. I liked what I saw. Um, I'm still kind of leaning towards more... I'm not trying to, you know, kick dirt in your eye or nothing. Um, <clears throat> I'm still leaning a little bit more towards Guillermo del Toro, kind of. Just more his aesthetic. Not so much of, like, the writing. Because the writing in his movies are a little clunky and a little kind of forced humor at times. But I just... The aesthetic I liked more. And this... But at the same time, I still kind of like a lot of the creature stuff in this. I just think maybe the previous studio or the people that work for Guillermo had a better idea of how to make that look a particular way. Though there are certain characters, like I could totally see that character in Mike Magnolia's art style. Like there's the uh, warthog changeling guy. Like some of the things they would mm -hmm. do for um, 
like pull from lore, like the whole thing about changelings, how fairies would swap like a look-alike baby, and then when no one's looking, the baby turns into some ugly monster. In this case, a pig. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I just felt like it had all kinds of cool lore and had the King Arthurness into it and whatnot. And you got Mila Jovovich is like the evil witch. You know, I mean, I don't know. That, like, I was her, so, her, her her being in there made it feel like, oh, is this a 2003 movie? Oh yeah, I guess it does kind of like you know she's still a, she's not in as much stuff I guess nowadays, but um, I don't know she's in the Resident Evil movie. What was that like? Well, I guess it was like three or four years ago, the last one. Well, if she does, if she's not doing that, but, it's like okay, like you know, it's like ultraviolet or something like that, you know. Uh, yeah, I know, like like in her prime time when she was just like in everything, but um, but no, like yeah, that that Hellboy movie, I I just think to me. So perfect, so badass, like whole way through. Like I, I was totally sold. I feel like it's gonna be like a dread. It's gonna be one of those movies that's like practically perfect, but there's not gonna be a sequel to it. It might, yeah. Who knows? You never know. Uh, and not that's I'm joking. Like I'm not trying to bring down Mila Jovovich too much because you know I know she's in a very particular type of movie, but there's that period where she was in a bunch of those movies all right in a row after another for like a period of time. But um, her as some queen, I think I left off on the part where she's watching TV and she's all dismembered and just like, like, all right, that's kind of, that's kind of clever, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. They just got all, there's so much cool stuff going on in that movie. I just think it's just, it's a full package deal film, you know, that I can't highly recommend, you know, anymore to like just people. Especially people that like to have fun and like brutal and like, you know, violence. That's what this movie's for. If you hate fun, then you probably don't. That, that you're probably one of those people that doesn't yeah. like this movie. Yeah, because that's the thing. Is whenever I hear people like, oh, the movie fucking sucks. I'm like, did you fucking watch it? No. Well, then get the fuck out of here. I don't know what the fuck you're into, but whatever <laughs> it is, I don't want to be a part of it. <laughs> well, I want to finish it. I, I like what I saw. I, I'm not like in love with it yet, but I like what I saw, and I want to finish it. So, yeah. But yeah, but boom, there's our list of 2020 gone on for a long time. I, I almost I started thinking about halfway through this. I'm like, God, we almost need to get like an egg timer out for our fucking movie list. You know what I mean? Just yeah. be like, okay, you got fucking six minutes. Go. Because <laughs> sometimes oh, we can always split like, this one like, into two. I mean, shit, we've you know, we just split this one into two just because, you know, it's it's been a minute. We've, we've missed a few weeks. So, you know. And Last one was a Christmas God, special. And two, it's, 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 there's always people that want to jump on with us on these episodes, and I always go like, I just don't know. It's like, I already know how long it goes with just me and you. You add anybody else, and especially, you know, a lot of times everybody else has, like, completely different movies, too. And it's like, the more different movies you have, the longer it takes. The similar your list is, the quicker it goes by, but... Oh, this that, year, that, our, that our be... list was pretty different from one another, too. I know, I think we only had, like, two or three crossovers. I, I noticed that recently we've been drifting apart from the same movies. Because if you go back Making about boys. three or four years ago, they used to be like like almost like seven out of ten of our movies would be about the same, different orders maybe, but like the same. And now they're like almost kind of like two different lists. Not to sound all like sad about it, but I think that's a big thing. Is like while we would go see every movie together because we like, we got to do a podcast, let's go see a movie. So we saw the same movies together. Now it's like we live in different cities, so it's kind of like, well, did you see this one? I'll go see that one. You know, all that kind of thing. Yeah, it's like it's one of those ones because you're not going. To, I, th- I think that's exactly what it is: is that you're not going to see movies together like all the time. Like it, that kind of creates sort of a different path. But uh, but yeah, 2020. 
Even though it was like an odd year where it's like the best movies mostly all appeared in the beginning of the year, strangely enough. Um, that to me, that's not a bad thing. Cause I personally always think that the better movies always appear mostly in the beginning anyways, but, uh, just weird that that's just how it sort of rolled all in all. But, uh, yeah, I guess that's a good place to kind of wrap it all up with. So make sure to check out oldmanorange.com for more podcasts, comic books like pizza boys, that's pizza boys of a Z and all that other fun merchandise and good times on there. I'm Spencer Scott Holmes. And I'm Ryan Dunnigan. We'll see you some other time. Thanks again for listening to the Old Man Orange Podcast. Sure, check out oldmanorange.com for more podcasts, cartoons, music, animation, and a whole lot more. We also have the Old Man Orange blog going with all kinds of fun stuff. If you easily want to support the show, use one of our Amazon links either on the website or in the description of the podcast below. Rate, review, and subscribe to the show either on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Newgrounds, or anywhere else that you seem to get this podcast from. Grab the sitcom-styled comic book Pizza Boys on either Comic Central, Comixology, or Amazon. Want more podcasts? Check out the Indie Comics Club over at Comic Central. I also got a workout website called Thor's Hidden Gym. Filled with fitness tips and tricks, videos, and a whole lot more fun stuff in the calisthenics world. Talk to us on Twitter, at Spencer S. Holmes and Dunnigan Ryan. Like our Facebook pages of Old Man Orange Productions and Pizza Boys Comic. Thanks again, and we're out of here.